And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock. Welcome to episode 73 of Down on the Docks. My name's Chris Neff, and as I'm joined by all, uh, excuse me, I'm joined as always by my co-host, producing partner, and good friend, Dave Sarah. How are you, buddy? Hello. Ready for the first pod of the new year? Yeah, dude. Nice. Any resolu- I'm excited. You got any resolutions? Busy to guy can cook a resolution. Yeah. I was going to no. say you need a resolution to try no. and be funny on this show, no. but you just blew it. No. Okay. So first of all, very excited about this doc. You know me, Dave. I'm a huge art fan. No, you're not. Uh, yeah, I am. Name me three art pieces. Art pieces or sure. artistes? Sure. What do you want, a piece? I want. I want a hair piece. You, <laughs> you want a piece? Hair piece. All right. Let's go with the Virgin on the Rocks. That's a drink. <laughs> It's actually that's it's a actually band from Oklahoma. It's actually a Da Vinci. Da Vinci. Yep. I've actually seen it at the National Gallery. Wow. In where, Dave? A fake, obviously. London. London. Oh, it's. Uh, is there only one National Gallery in the world? Name, no. Are they known as when you say National? That is the most pretentious. You're of a fucking Talking Heads fan right now. You're acting <laughs> like a Talking Heads fan. No, no. But when you say National Gallery, they assume you assume London. Uh, you assume London, and then I would say maybe you'd say the United States. But where's the National Gallery in the United States? It's in Washington. Is it now? Yeah. Oh. As far as I know. I would have thought like New York or something. No, you in New York, you've got the Met. Yes. You've got the MoMA. Okay, so the Met's a museum. What did you think the Met was? I thought the Met itself was just, honestly, I'm going to be honest, I thought the Met was a hotel (laughs) and a ballroom, like just ballroom space. You know why? Because they have the Met Gala. Correct. Because you but watch know. this garbage. Oh, no, I, I no, because I know it. you're into fashion and you've got to know what everybody <laughs> oh, wears yeah. every year. And you thought it was just a ballroom. It is I, the largest. Okay. Uh, I think it's the largest museum in the United States. Wow. Nah, it's I probably not true. But it's one of the coolest because it, yeah, it's got all the trendy bullshit. It's like no, the Largo. No, no, it's got for comedians. It's got natural history. On uh, you walk sure. in, you go on the right. You're in Egypt. Okay. Got it. You got walk it. in, you go to the left. You're in fucking uh, when they did the knights and they had the swords sure. and shit. Marigs. Actually, it's a little bit down into the left. Then you go upstairs. You have all the, the trains, the impressionist oh. paintings. You go to oh, the far like right. fucking Georgie Jessel. Whoever did Georgie Who? Jessel? Georgie Jessel? Yeah. Who's Georgie Jessel? I don't know, but I remember a guy doing a Georgie Jessel impression in like the early nineties. No, the point is, then you go all you the way. You said impressionist. The, yeah. Do you know what an impressionist painting is? Explain. Oh, come on. Really? Do you use your thumb to impress the no, paint onto the... No, no, no. Impressionism... Tell w- me. Uh, okay. In... Uh, you're dying to tell in, me. Gosh. In the late 19th century. Sure. Okay. Painters moved away from realism. Okay. Got it. I remember realism. What's realism? <laughs> That's like negative space and all that shit. No, no. Realism that, is it's like, realism. It's like refine realism art. Like, like that's where negative space came from, though, too. Okay. Let's let's just like stay on. in in sculptures. Let's just stay focused. Negative space. So I just we wanted move, to use negative we space. We move from smart. realism, meaning painting exactly what you, you see, see, to an impression of uh, what 
you see. Right. So we see um, we see people painting a little bit more um, aggressive with their strokes, Ooh. a little outside of the lines. Wow. Okay, if wow. you will. That's more impressionism. Like, I get you. Not like... Let me just give like, you an artist. Like, 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 like Van Gogh. Van Gogh was an impressionist. Got it. Okay. Monet was Monet. an impressionist. What about Monet? He was an impressionist. Wow. Okay. So like Kumia doing dice clay. Wow. We haven't even. So we're just on painting right now. Oh, we're not talking about impressionists again. Sorry. Okay. I'm so, faded. Continue. Of course you are. So again, um, did you need any more? No, I didn't name any more because I only named one. I only yeah, said the well, Virgin on the Rocks. Here we go. Which was a Da Vinci. Impressionism sounds gay I'll, as hell. Yeah, I'll to me give you a couple of like, my favorites. It doesn't seem. It okay. seems smudgy. I'll give you a realism. Okay. I'll give you give my uh, Edward Hopper. One of he's definitely my famous fa- favorite. I don't, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Have you ever seen the? Fam- I know Kincaid skis. Oh, hold on. Have you ever seen the famous? It's been parodied so many times. Uh-huh. Simpsons, whatever. Yeah. It, there was a very famous painting Dolly. he did. No, no. I'm going to talk. Dolly. And you're just going to shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay. It's called Nighthawks. <laughs> Nighthawk? Nighthawks. And it's a very famous painting by Edward Hopper. Mm-hmm. And it's of a diner. And there's a corner of the diner. Mm-hmm. And you'll see people in Hollywood, they'll put James Dean in it. They'll put yes. Marilyn Monroe ah, in it. Okay? Yes. That's Edward Hopper. I was Hopper. about to talk shit about your story right there, but brought her back with the James Dean skis. Okay. So I do. Then, I've seen that, and then there, and then Ruby Ruby might have made like a like Ruby Tuesdays. I think they made like a thing about it. Or probably they like made a fake. Everybody's appropriated uh, yeah, that yeah, painting. Yeah. <laughs> and then lastly, we'll go with a little abstract expressionism because it fits in today's op episode. You have my favorite painter uh, of that period, Jackson Pollock. Okay, now if you remember, yeah, Jackson Pollock. Mm-hmm. Can you name one of his paintings? Um, I think he wrote for Mom, didn't he? And um, what else was he on? He was in. Um, he's he got wrote the, for he's, Mom. Yeah, the show Mom. No, no, no. For, he's a painter. Oh, it's not the guy from. Uh, oh, um, you Unusual Suspects. What? He's in Unusual. No, no, no. He's a dad. Kevin Pollock. He Kevin died, Pollock. No, 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 no. Not Kevin Pollock. Jackson Pollock. Jackson Pollock. He painted. Got it. He painted uh, a lot of. You, you, here's what you would recognize. The the spiral drips. He'd walk on the canvas with paint and a brush. He'd take it from a can and just uh, one of those, huh? Yeah, <laughs> whatever. I don't know. One of those. He was brilliant. Yeah, I so bet, I bet. Um, like Hunter Biden. Okay, we don't get political on this show. Hunter okay? Biden's an artist, dude. <laughs> the fuck? You sold a painting for five hundred thousand dollars. You know how many fine artists right, that went makes to you school upset, to the Met for all makes, those? It doesn't make me upset. It makes you. It, you you said si- last week. The it system made you upset. makes me upset okay. that they can money launder through fucking okay. fight art like Just, that. That's what pisses me off. Okay, this documentary right, is called "Made You Look." Okay. Oh, like the show, like the game, the movie. What, what? made you look? No, I don't. What is that a movie? I think that's an art movie. Stealing oh. an art thing. Okay. This Something. this is subtitled a true story about fake art. Okay, oh perfect. We're talking about Hunter Biden. Even better, dude. Let's go, dude. Okay. An election year? Fuck yeah. Let's go, All baby. Right. <laughs> this right. came out in 2020, directed by Barry Average. Not average. I bet you it is Barry Average. Average. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the first thing we see that comes like off, my stand-up. You don't have stand-up. It's Barry Average. <laughs> Pretty good today, dude. I'm not gonna lie to you. You're killing me. Shut up. So, uh, the first thing we see is some titles that come up, and it says, This is a true story about fake art. Names have not been changed to protect the innocent, 
as some are not that innocent. Okay, so we opened on an artist studio in New York. Uh, it's clearly had some use. Um, you know, it's cl it's w exactly what you'd expect. It looks like where Jim Carrey spends most of his days these days. Probably. Well, we first meet a woman named Ann Friedman. Now, she's in her 60s, maybe late 60s. She looks like the traditional grandma that you would see with big gray hair, kind of okay. up. Glasses. Yeah. Earrings. The whole thing. Pearls. The whole thing. Now, she's the former... No shawl. No shawl. Uh, she's the former director of the Nodler Gallery. <laughs> I bet she okay. Nodler a couple galleries in her day. <laughs> Dad, let's go. The first thing she says is, nobody wants to be fooled. Well, next we meet Patricia Cohen of the New York Times. And she says, people are fooled by art much more than we know. The director of the Metropolitan Museum was once asked, how many fakes do you think could possibly be on the walls? And he responded, I have no idea. It's embarrassing. Worse than that, I think, is that they don't want to own up to admitting that they were fooled. Okay? Now, the next thing we see are paintings that look like Jackson Pollock's, that look like Mark Rothko's. Now, I'm assuming you don't know what a Rothko looks like. No, dude. I mean, well, you don't I, need to get here's mad. The thing. You don't need to get I, mad when you're learning, Dave. I, I'll tell you one thing. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna be. I'll be honest about this. All right. If I tried hard enough, yeah, I could remember the <laughs> uh, the painstaking PTSD that I had from art history class uh -huh. in the tenth or eleventh grade, tenth uh -huh. grade, tenth grade, tenth right. grade, and it was brutal. Okay. Well, it's not hard for me to remember hold on. because I love it. I know you are because gay, <laughs> but the. I can I can remember a decent amount up until basically, you know, sixteen hundreds. Okay. I mean, anything from like ancient times, sure. to all that art art history sure. stuff. It's some it's somewhere flying buttresses. They're in they're in your somewhere. Uh -huh. They're in your somewhere. Uh -huh. Now we're moving into architecture. I, see I mean, it's all it was all part of the same class. If okay. I remembered hard enough with the paintings, I could probably remember. I, there's me, a lot of Vatican stuff I could remember. Okay, we're not. But that's not what today. I'm just saying. Okay, dude. Rothko's. Just so you know, they uh, Rothko was a contemporary of Pollock. He was an abstract expressionist. So most of his works, his well-known works, you've probably seen them. They're they're basically blocks, very large blocks, usually two or three. Okay. And there's one block, let's say yellow, mm -hmm. and then there's a red block beneath it. Okay. And in between, you see the, the colors merge together. Cool. So he did a lot. That's so what he's known for. Paint mixing. This guy's the greatest paint no, mixer of all time. Not really. <laughs> Some Venn diagram painter. <laughs> anyway. And, I have a question. Would yeah. you ever, I think mm -hmm. we might have, I might have asked you this before. Yeah. Like pick one of your favorite paintings of all time. Uh -huh. Let's say the paintings are worth Untitled by Jackson Pollock. Okay. So how much do you think that painting is worth? Probably, probably 300 million. Okay. So for, would you pay a guy $30,000 or mm -hmm. even $3,000? Yeah. Maybe $3,000 is a little too cheap. Yeah. Maybe $10,000. To do it. A, a replica. No, absolutely not. Never, That's tacky. Like an exact replica. No. And but he like he's not like trying to make a fake. He's just it's no. What about like you? Let's say there was an artist. What am really, I gonna do? Bring people over and be like, hey, look at my Pollock. That's not a Pollock that I paid money for. What do you? Yeah. May, I'm being, yeah. That makes me look like an asshole. Why? Because I think, it, I think it's endearing. No, I think it makes you look like assholes to pretentious pricks like yourself. But I think to normal people like me, I'm like, oh, that's pretty fucking cool, actually. No. Okay. Um. Okay, we're gonna continue. Anne says, I think it's, you know, very easy to see how I 
was so caught up in the excitement over the art. All right? Now, next, we see an article from a newspaper that says, I am the central victim, art dealer and freedman on selling $63 million in fake paintings. Okay? Now we're introduced uh, to a conservator uh, of the Harvard University Art Museum. Her name's Marjorie Cohn, and she says, they say they are sure she was part of this criminal enterprise. They say they're positive. We're talking about grandma. They're accusing this grandma woman who was the, the uh, chief uh, operative of the Nodler Gallery. So they're okay. saying they're, they're blaming, who's they? These critics. Okay. They're okay. blaming Anne Friedman. And when, what year is this taking place? Uh, 2020. So That's, maybe oh. just call it, they don't tell us what year, but it was it's fairly like, recent. But it's for, okay. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, well, so, so right now they're being questioned that they've potentially have purchased or sold fake paintings. You got it. Okay. Well, we also meet a New York Times reporter who says either she was complicit in it or she was one of the stupidest people to have ever worked in an art gallery. Well, Anne says... Well, I hope I found out why, because, I mean, if it's just... This is like... I, I Okay. That's how we lead up. We, we Yeah, and no, I get it. I mean, I... We're, you're supposed I, to be excited at this point. I, I hope I'm, our listeners are excited at this point. She says They're making it seem like she must have known. I did not knowingly sell fakes. I was convinced that they were right and real and believable. I was convinced. Title card, made you look. A true story about fake art okay. now at this well, point if this lady's supposed if it's her business to know uh-huh. and she didn't know i think what's going to happen here mm. is i'm going to tell you everything that happens yeah. and then you and our audience yeah. will make a decision wow is well i'm, she I'm playing along right now yeah Let's i go. know well the opening credits come up against the black screen and we see shockingly vivid paint colors bubble splash roll and undulate across the screen sort of like a lava lamp you know what i mean um, and then we hear secrets and lies uh, underneath the titles. Well, we open in on New York City. The New York Times reporter, M.H. Miller, says it was very abrupt at first. I mean, it started with the news of Nodler closing. Nodler is the gallery she worked at. And that was shocking because Nodler was a very old guard institution in the art world. And nobody really knew the details of that until, you know, news started leaking about the forgery scandal. Well, we hear a reporter, $80 million scandal that has the art world up in arms tonight and collectors checking their most prized possessions. Well, we meet a lawyer named Perry Amsalem, and he says this is probably the largest art fraud that has ever been discovered in the history of the United States. Huh. Wow. Yep. 80 mil. Over what time span did they say? Uh, no, Fairly but I, recent. I, yeah, I'm going to tell you it's probably like the early 2000s to the mid 2010s. Well, I mean, you know, this has money laundering written all over it. Of course it does. Well, these lookalikes were by some of America's most prominent artists. Okay. So we see at this point three Rothko forgeries. All right. Now, if I'm looking at them, they look like Rothko's. All right. Sure. And I know my Rothko's. Sure. Okay. I saw the Seagram's collection of Rothko's at the Tate in London <laughs> under I've... under low light, as Rothko always wished them to be. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, no, I, I had a flight of Seagram's <laughs> fucking a couple of weeks ago, dude. I know what you, you mean. You don't know about the Seagram's Rothko's? 
did is that where the is that where the alcohol company comes comes from? Yeah, also comes from Seagrams. Yes. Seagrams yes. Rothko. So here's what you need to know <laughs> about the Seagrams Rothkos. Okay, Tell, explain those words to me and what Seagrams. they mean. Seagrams. Yes. Okay. It's a city. No, it's just a brand. It's a, a bra- last name. <laughs> Seagrams. It doesn't come from anywhere or anything though, right? I don't know. Okay, Seagrams. But the dude that owed Seagrams, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He commissioned. Rothko. No shit, it's actually connected. He, Hell yeah. He contacts Rothko. That's hilarious. And he says, I want you to do the dining room in the Four Seasons Hotel in New York. Sick. Okay. So Rothko ah, does his much thing. Story. Rothko does his thing. And the problem is, he said, you have to light them with X amount of lumens. This is how I envision these works to okay. be displayed. Okay. Well, they didn't do that. Why? Because they're a fucking restaurant. All right, mm. and it pissed Rothko off. Wow! So he took, he went back like OJ and took all his memorabilia back. No, he needed the money. Uh, he so needed he, the money. He had to sell them. But I don't there's, remember there's how many years ago the Tate acquired them. And the Tate. Fi- the Tate. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a little music- man Tate. I know. <laughs> it's the a guy modern, from Little Man Tate. I know. It's a modern art museum in the London. Magician. And then the math magician. They finally were displayed. As Rothko had sure. envisioned them, right, right. under low light. Oh, oh I see. So, Not highlight. Right. So you could finally see them the way he gotcha. he wanted cool. them to be well, interpreted. All right. So so g- give me a slight rundown. Like give me some slight differences uh-huh. from the fake to the new one. Like what is is it slightly I tell dark? The, no, I couldn't you tell. You couldn't the even the tell like darker, nothing, no, no, no. nothing. I'm not I'm there's no way I could tell. What, do, what does one do? You have to look at the you have to examine the You're paint strokes. You're going to all about it in here. You got to examine the paper, it's examine more, the paint strokes. It's more than that. It's a lot. They're looking at an exact like they're they're they've got to know how the fucking Da Vinci used to do the and he had well, a keep limp. Keep in mind, you're he fake. had a limp the this Ro- year. Rothko's he these he are lied. he was a, he's been a, he, last hundred years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. this is mid twentieth century. That's by e- the way, then that's even worse. By the way, quick side note: Rothko uh, killed himself uh, by slitting his throat in a bathtub. I don't know if you know that. Just one. I to, doubt that happened. Oh. Somebody killed him <laughs> in a bathroom. <laughs> probably what happened. Sorry. Anyway. Sorry to burst your bubble. Anyway. Patricia from the New York Times says this con went on for nearly 20 years. All right. Well, now we meet a woman. She's an author who wrote a book called The Confidence Game. Her name is Maria Konnikova. And she says this was someone who had the gall to say, Jackson Pollock, Motherwell, let's take some of the biggest names of the 20th century art. All right. Well, we meet Ann's lawyer. His name's Luke. And he says, you've got collectors who brought something that is worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. Another collector says, I have the opportunity to buy a Rothko. And the lawyer, Ann says, and in fact, yeah, you do, but it's worth zero. Well, another critic says, people thought they were sublime masterworks before they knew they were fakes. They thought these uh, great works of I art. I love it, dude. You I, I knew the, you were going to like I this. I love the idea of some pricks yep. standing in front of a fucking fake yep. and being like, oh my God, well, the strokes. Look at the strokes. And then they, of fucking course, jerk-offs. wanted to acquire them and put them either in their homes or in fancy museums. Well, one of the most important galleries um, this country ever seen this is according to Luke, was at the center of all this. So we see another headline. A gallery that helped create the American art world closes shop after 165 years. Well, we're of course speaking of the Nodler Gallery where Ann Friedman works. So it's closed now. Oh, yeah. 
Wow. For some perspective. Good, dude. The Nodler. They took down one of the fucking launderers. The no. Well, you're going to, you might be, you might be a little judgy right now. You don't know that for sure. I am. Okay. I'm being a little judgy. And it's not the institution. And it's not the poor people or like the good people who built it and donate their time or donate their money. It's not those people. No. It's the fucking three pricks at the top that pay somebody $25,000 to paint something for them. And then say that it's worth $200 million or whatever the fuck. And then they make the insurance money. I'm oh, it's a, a fake. Teaser. Get the fuck out I'm going to give you a little teaser because you, uh, you were somewhat prescient with that comment you just made. One of the people that was on the board of the Nodler <laughs> the fucking was none other than um, uh, one of the gentlemen that we covered on the um, the oh, Hammer documentary. Oh, yeah. The Hammer documentary. Yeah, Army Hammer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Remember yeah, yeah, how yeah, yeah, they yeah, all yeah. that fucking... Oh, yeah. It was Michael Hammer was on the board. No. Okay? What now, remember him... He's the one that went all who inherited all the money, yeah, yeah. wouldn't give any to the rest of the family, right, right. went born again Christian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And his son is Army Hammer. Army Hammer. Who's uh who likes to tie people up and fuck yeah, them and, and kill eat, them. And eat a and part eat of the arm. <laughs> so you are correct. He was on Thigh. the board of the Nodler Gallery. Wow. Okay. Dude. But you have to understand, this gallery had been around since the Civil War. Okay. Sure. It's you know that's it's a so it's, what's so what building's still there? They the can building's there. They can open it back up. They're gonna open it back up under new management. Well, like a fucking like that Chinese restaurant down the block over here. We're gonna meet a critic um, named Jack Elam, and he says they started as an old master dealer. Now again, this would be your 15th century stuff you were talking about. Your 16th century. Your is that what master? Is that what master? Old master typically old master. refers to. You know, the Renaissance. Interesting. You know, yeah, or, I, I remember the Renaissance, the Enlightenment, yep. the Awakening. Well, they, oh, wait, when they awakening. started, they were selling to people like J.P. Morgan, uh, Henry Clay Frick, and of course, they did sell to the Met. They sold to the Louvre, okay? Is that how it's actually pronounced? See, I'm glad you Louvre, caught me on Louvre. this. That's how he pronounced it. Louvre. And I was like, have I been calling it? The Louvre. Everybody all these calls years? it the Louvre because the French are because the French don't say the Louvre. I'm gonna say it's Louvre because this guy's a stuffy That's art like, critic and is, he dropped the. Is he British? No, he's what American. He's American. Uh, I don't trust him then. All right. Well, we also meet um, Charles Schmerler. No, please. Uh -huh. Is he British? No, he's a lawyer for Michael Hammer. Schmerler and Schmerler. 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 Schmerler and Schmerler. 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 He's the lawyer for Michael Hammer. We got Schmerler, we got Cohen, we got Anglistine. Whatever the other one is. He is the lawyer for Michael Hammer and the Nodler Gallery. Well, he says in the early part of the 70s, Armin Hammer, one of the great industrialists and philanthropists of the American 20th century, also owned Occidental Oil, as you'll recall. Oh, where, uh, does Occidental Oil have anything to do with Occidental College? No. Is uh, that where Obama really went to? Did he really go to Occidental? I don't know. I think it's in California, isn't it? I don't know. Okay. Continue. The point is, Continue. Arm and Hammer, if you'll recall, was uh, a Jewish refugee that came over in the early part of the 20th century. Okay. He was accused of being a communist. Right. And then, of course... He ended up making millions in the oil industry. Owns right. Oxy, of course, owns the well, the Arm and Hammer Museum right in Westwood by us. 
Okay. He's a very, very well-known philanthropist. And it's, but it's not the Arm and Hammer guy. It is the Arm and this Hammer. This is the Arm and not yeah. the, not Arnie not Army Hammer. Michael's dad. his dad. It goes like this. It goes okay. Armand, Michael, Army. Okay, but 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 we I thought we we okay, but it's not the actual the not the baking soda arm and hammer. No, okay, we're still talking about we're still getting yeah, arm yeah. and hammer. We're yeah, still yeah. talking about that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I didn't know that. I didn't know. Any actually, of that. I have my um my family lineage is off by one generation. It went Michael or it went arm and hammer. Then his son. He was the one that got fucked up on all the drugs and was uh, doing meth and fucking all the hookers. Okay. Good time. It's a good time. And then shot somebody, and his dad got him off on it. Great this time. Is in the 50s. Awesome. And then, Great time to be alive. Okay. And then you have Michael Hammer, who is we're, we're speaking of. He right. was on yeah, the yeah, board. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, then yeah, his yeah. son, son is grand. It, so Army Hammer yeah. is the great grandson of yeah. the Hammer, the Hammer. Arm and Hammer. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, Arm Great, great. Yeah. Great. No, no, just a great. Oh, grandpa. Great grandpa. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. Okay. So anyway. Michael Hammer acquired ownership of the Nodler Gallery in 2001, all right? Well, he essentially assumed control of the gallery and put Ann Friedman in charge, all right? You following? So Ann was basically the, the head honcho, okay, for 32 years. Her job was acquiring and selling art, all right? Well, she built up a reputation for being someone that could really sell and had an amazing relationship with collectors, okay? And then we meet a gentleman named Michael Shanerson from Vanity Fair, and uh, he describes it that the gallery was kept up with the times and trends, and ironically, the only era that they kind of missed was abstract expressionism in the early 50s, which would turn out, of course, to be the era that they were brought down by, okay? Well, we hear a, a reporter say at the center of this scam, authorities say is this New York woman named Glafira Rosales. Dude, dude, but imagine that would be a great, I think I would, I think I would, I think I would, I would be great at selling art. Oh, you think? I mean, dude, I'd just be calling people all day. Hey, look, you need, right. you needed a 20 by 13. I got this one. It's only $78,000. I'll put it in a brand new frame for you. Sell me this box of tissue that has art on it, Dave. Let me see how good of a salesman you are. Look, look, this fucking yeah. tissue box. Uh-huh. It's impressionist art. It's You're got correct. This, it look does at, look a little impressionist. Look at the smudges. Uh-huh. It's fucking smudgy, dude. Okay. Inspired by who, maybe? This is fucking Robert Dearborn. <laughs> okay. Robert Dearborn <laughs> yeah. is not an impressionist. Do you yeah. know why? Why? Because impressionist came from Europe. Oh. Okay. Is Deer Dearborn is spelled B-O-U-R. Okay. okay. Uh, then yeah. you sold it to yeah, me. Yeah, All right. I buy it. All right. Anyway, nice work. No problem. Glafira is this woman. I think I took some last night. Some, I think it's <laughs> my dad's pills. He takes a little bit of Glafira every night. The news reports that Glafira is the ringleader. Okay. And so that's we, the old lady. No. Oh, that's sorry. Ann Friedman. Oh, okay? why? Because Ann sold it, but she bought it from Glafira. Got it. Got it okay. now. Got it. Got so, it. Got it. Got it. So Glafira, we basically finally see a picture of this Glafira. Now she's <laughs> short in stature. Oh. Probably she looks either Hispanic or Mexican, but she's checking her P.O. box on some hidden camera footage. Okay. So we're just trying to see who this person is, this yeah. mastermind behind it, or, or who got Ann involved, all okay. right? Gotcha. Well, we hear... Uh, and that's in the United States still? Oh, yeah. Okay. We hear from a woman named Emily Reisbaum, and she's a lawyer for someone we're going to meet a little mm. later, 
Uh, she's a lawyer for Domenico and Eleanor de Sol. And gotcha. she says, Glafira Rosales comes into Nodler off the street with supposed masterpieces in the trunk of her car. Well, the critic M.H. Uh, Miller from the New York Times says like, yeah, you have a huge, you know, multi-million dollar trove of previously unknown paintings. What does that mean? The, the, the point they're making is, isn't it a little awkward for somebody to just roll up one day and say, hey, I've got all these missing masterpieces. Can you sell them for me? Oh, so how many did they say she had? We haven't gotten okay, there Okay, sorry. So I thought I missed something there. The point is, all these paintings came from this mysterious woman so named one, So all the fakes came from one person? Uh-huh. Oh, well, uh-huh. I mean, oh, man. This is starting to piss me off more. Let's well, go. that's what all you this know right now. This is some cartel shit right now. Okay. <laughs> it was a perfect storm. Yeah. Okay? It was highly unusual for this amount of forged works to be going through Nodler and fooling so okay. many people. But we do find out how many. Oh, yeah. Okay. We see an article titled Inside the $80 Million Scam That Rocked the Art World and Hits Court This Week. All right. Now we see some titles come up that say, The Con Begins, New York, 1995. So that's the beginning. Anne says, from my recollection, 1995. 200 pieces altogether. Jimmy Andrade, he was kind of your guy Friday, you know? He did a lot of things. The race car driver? No, she's using that as a term. Like, he's my guy Friday. He'll get me this. He'll okay. get me that. Okay. <laughs> the race car driver. Da- what was his name? Something Andrade? Jimmy Andrade. That's not the race car driver, though, is it? No. She would have said that. What's the race car driver's name? Michael Andretti. That's the one. Mario Andretti. Mario. Michael. Okay. Mario. There is. There's a whole family of these of Andrettis. Yes. Fucking anyway. meatheads. Andrade, Speedheads? Andrade goes up to Anne and says, look, Gearheads. I've got a friend, a very special friend, and he wants to show me a Rothko. Well, one day, this Glaferia Rosales comes in, and she says, I don't think I knew her name at that point, but it didn't matter. I'd never heard of her. She was polite, very well-dressed, and very soft-spoken. Now, according to Miller from the Times, there's no reason at this point not to trust Mrs. Rosales. Nobody knew who she was. She didn't have a great pedigree, though. She was just some lady from Long Island who walked into the gallery one day. Well, Anne's lawyer says Rosales was the perfect part for this. Uh, She said the right amount of information, not too much, not too little, just enough to make Anne interested and to keep the relationship going. Well, Anne says she had the Rothko work on paper wrapped in some uh, cardboard, and she said, you know, can we unwrap it? Well, Jimmy unwrapped it. Nothing unusual there. And I thought it was absolutely beautiful. If one could fall in love with something material, I do fall in love with art. Okay. Now we see a gorgeous red and black box Rothko on a yellow canvas. It's kind of an awkward thing to ask too, because technically almost everything is material. Uh, humans are not material. What are we people. Then? We're made of carbon. We're not made of material. We're carbon material. She's talking about materialism. Ding dong. Uh, not fabric or something. Okay. No, I know it's not human. So, you know, there's a limit. I love silk, but I got genuinely excited about these works of art. The signature was on the back. It was dated. It looked very good. I thought it would be normal for me. It was, uh, that way then to ask some questions. Signatures on the back, huh? I thought we mm-hmm. thought they did the bottom corner or something. S- no, there's no standard. 
Okay. When I sign, I sign on the back. Uh, you draw? No, no, no. You draw little paintings? I've got some work. You got some little paintings? I've got some work, but I know? sign the back. Okay. <laughs> you don't want to ruin the front, I get it. Anywho. Your fucking name. Ann says, can you tell me anything about where this came from or the owner? And Rosales made it clear that she had a confidentiality agreement and she couldn't reveal any of this information. Now, to me, that's a major red fucking flag. Okay, but... Again, no, I don't. I actually don't think that's even that big of a red flag in the art world. Oh, it's because it's laundering 101. No, well, I mean, obviously, but I think that it's common mm -hmm. for that in art and like sculptures and stuff like that. Sure, because I think people, first of all, I think it's embarrassing for rich people when they have to sell art. Uh -huh. So they try to figure out a new way to, to make some. It's sign embarrassing if they take a loss, but well, when yeah, they yeah, want to yeah. brag sure, about sure, sure, it, sure. if they flipped it. I don't know. I don't know if rich people really brag all that much about making money on art. Yeah. Cause they probably don't want people it's, knowing. It's not just that. It's like, it's, that's not what rich people do. They don't like you, you brag about making, flipping a, flipping stock. a company or a stock or a, or a house. Or well, something you know like, that the margins for, are much higher in modern art. I the, get it. The money you can make. But it's, but it's like, you're because those people who would care about that kind of shit mm -hmm. are like, they're in it for the art. They're right. not in it for the money that the art is worth. They want right. the piece. They'd rather have all the pieces they have. The piece to resist all of <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> okay. Let's get back to it. Um, well, the writer from Vanity Fair says, little by little, other details came out and more backstory. And uh, so it started like this. Mr. X, that was the person that Gloria was representing. That's good for a comedian to do is Mr. X. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a couple. Let's go. Mr. X came from a very well-to-do family. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they came over from Europe. Also, the people, they don't want people soliciting like, oh, are you selling any of your paintings this week? Maybe there you should you pay attention because it's go, part go, of go, the go, scam, go, go, maybe. Sorry, go, go, go. Anyway, they went to Mexico. Not yes, I knew it was fucking Mexico. Not unusual Cartel. after the war. Yeah. And he and his wife had come to New York, and they had bought paintings through a guy named Alfonso Osorio. Uh-huh. All right. Well, Ann's lawyer says Osorio lived in Long Island. I knew an Osorio. He made, uh, well, he was Arthur. maybe a patron, if you will, of Jackson Pollock. Yeah. So he was supposedly connected, okay? And when did Pollock die? If I want, uh, 1956. Okay. Around that time? Uh, how are you not impressed that I just nailed it? Don't say it like that. Don't see, <laughs> fucking... God, that was so girly of you. Might have, I don't know, might have been 54, <laughs> but I think it was 56. <laughs> don't give me those googly eyes. Like well, that when do you know that. how he died? Jesus. He slid his throat in the bathtub? No, what? he died in a car accident because no. he was drunk. Oh. Haven't you ever seen Pollock the movie? Oh. No. You ever hear about it? No. I mean, I've Ed heard Harris? Jackson Pollock. He won the Ed Oscar Harris? for it. Which one's it? Harris again? Ed Harris, Ed Harris. Ed Harris. Okay, just think of Apollo 13. Yeah. Mission Control guy yeah. with the vest. Yes. <laughs> yes. I've never seen the movie. I don't watch movies. <laughs> You've never seen Apollo 13? I've seen Apollo 13. Watch not Pollock. Not Pollock. No. Nah, okay. Was Pollock was married to another artist by the name of Lee Krasner. Who was she all, in the, also in the accident? No. Damn it. She was also a very, very accomplished artist in her own right. Imagine she died giving him a beach in the car. No, it's just, not how it happened. In she fact, was good, Pollock, on his cock. Pollock was a notorious, notorious cheater. Cheater, correct. Yeah, piece of shit. Good. So he probably okay. did get into a car accident while he getting dicks like He was actually dating a younger woman at the time good. behind Lee's back. So, good. yeah, probably. Good. Anyway. She cut his brakes. Anyway. 
Anne says they acquired a number of works, okay? This isn't the only one. There are others. Well, Jack, um, he's the guy that puts the R-E on Louvre. Yeah. And he says the like Mexican the, guy. Like theater? Theater. Theater. Even though he didn't like abstract art, he took all these paintings to Mexico. Now, he's like, first of all, how does this happen? Did he have a wagon train? I mean, it takes all these paintings back to uh, Mexico and apparently puts them in some sort of hermetically sealed box in a basement or something. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, supposedly he had given the works to his son, Mr. X Jr. All right. Okay. And now his this son. This is the lineage of the this fake This is paintings. the story we're being told. Yeah, sure, sure. And now the son wants to sell them at cheap prices because the son doesn't care about money as if rich people don't care about money. Okay. Well, Jack says, in my experience, rich people care about money more than even poor people. That's true. A little sketchy, this story. Well, the guy, that part checks out. The guy from Vanity Fair says, it's one of these stories where a couple of details are true or tantalizingly plausible. Uh, I should say, and someone who is gullible just then ate up the whole story. I mean, I feel like here's the thing about newer stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like if somebody died in the 50s, I could be wrong about this. I just feel like, and they're already famous like by the time they died, mm-hmm. then like I just feel like all their all their paintings would be like numbered and accounted for almost. Right. Like for Star Wars action figures, dude, Star Wars action figures yeah. shit. Yeah. They all know each other. Yeah. They know this from that. Yeah. Like they there's Six of this one thing left in existence. They know who owns all six yeah, of them. Yeah, it's the Jawa the, with the plastic cake. Yeah, I'm just saying that like... Well, Dave, it, you would did think you that, know that Vincent van Gogh was not even... Van Gogh? <laughs> was that how you pronounce his name? Vincent van Gogh? <laughs> it's actually... Uh, just seeing if you're paying attention. That's... Uh, Vincent van Gogh. That's how... <laughs> so, that's how... Dying, no, it's a, it's a joke. Woody Allen made that joke. Uh, uh, Diane Keaton pronounced Van Gogh in one of his films. I can't remember if it was Annie Hall. It's a... Vincent van she, Gogh. she would just say Van Gogh. <laughs> like, fucking, like a fucking Valley Girl. But there are artists where this, this is very common. This happens to. They're not famous in their lifetimes. For example, um, did you know Herman Melville was not famous in his own lifetime? The guy from the Munsters? <laughs> I wrote Moby Dick. Oh, that that Herman. Yeah, gotcha. Moby Moby Dick is 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 looked at as one of the greatest pieces of American literature. I read it in the so ninth grade. I. I'm going to reread it because I just watched I this mean, documentary on. Um, I actually thought the Pearl was better. On that's Steinbeck. I know. Okay, the point is, he wrote. Um, I watched this documentary on whaling in the 19th century. They talk about a black dude jerking off in a movie theater. No, but did, I didn't know that whale oil was where we got our oil before we got oil out of the ground. So in the 19th century, whaling was one of the hugest enterprises that uh, Americans had to get oil. Yeah, but not... It was before we took oil from the ground. But can you turn... I mean, I guess you can turn blubber into like it's not a guess that's how you did it not for like i don't think you do that with cars all right the point is that's where we got our oil for kerosene yeah for kerosene for fucking for candles and shit okay but they didn't have cars when they were doing it okay i'm just saying okay the point is i get it i know what you mean melville had written this masterpiece at the age of 32 okay he goes out and puts it out and it doesn't sell because people had moved on from caring about the whaling industry 
to the American West expansion. So when he died, I want to say he was in the 70s, he was a customs officer, all right, and working until he died. Like at Ellis Island? I don't know. Okay. I, he died in the early part of the 19th century, I believe. Okay. Or maybe late, or excuse me, late. Is it, you know what I'm saying? 19th he, century, 18th century. He either died in like the 1890s or the early 1900s. 20th century. Yeah. So the point is, this is, that always fascinates me. Sure. That people can do this kind of stuff and it can be their art. And he was convinced it was a masterpiece and nobody bought the book. It wasn't only rediscovered until the early part of the 19th century, well after he Got died. It. I find that fascinating. 20th century. 20th century, correct. Now, this happens to artists all the time. I always get confused with the 20th century. It's one more. Right, right, right. We're in the 21st century right now. We're in the 21st. All right. So, anyway. First uh, century BC. Pa Patricia from the Times says, isn't that always the case with the con, though? You know, there is just enough to make it believable. Well, Anne says, I thought this is a discovery. Okay. Well, then we see some art at Sotheby's and, you know, we see these bidders and, you know, paintings going for 40, 50, 60 million dollars. All right. Wow. Just to give us some, you know, contemporary pieces that are, yeah. they're dealing What's with. What's going on for 40 or 60? Mm -hmm. Does it show any of them? Yeah. Is, what is A lot of this abstract art that, we're, really? that she bought. Ugh. Now, according to Charles Schmerler, <laughs> the lawyer for Hammer and Nodler, sure, he sure. said <laughs> Abex Art. Schmerler, Nodler. Abex Art, in about the year 20, uh, 2000, uh, 1998, that's when it went nuts. It had been a decent market, but then it became a ridiculous market, and then it became like the hottest market there was. Yeah, more so, than money. So paintings were selling for 10 times what they'd ever sold before. Of course. We now, know why. The abstract expressionists, Dave, they were really the first group of American artists who developed an international reputation. This group includes, of course, Pollock, Rothko, Barnett Newman, Lee Krasner, uh, Robert Motherwell, and William de Kooning, okay? They didn't really ever expect to find an audience while they were working. Now, Dr. Sharon Fleischer, Flesher, excuse me, she is the executive director of IFAR, which stands for International Foundation of Art Research. Now, she's a very important part of this program. Because the prices right now, she says, of a lot of abstract expressionist painters, it's more tempting to probably forge their works. Well, Anne says, I knew from the story that the paintings were published or purchased in the 50s and early 60s for very little money. And it was believable. The artists were starving. They weren't just wanting to sell. They were really needy. Pollock had to exchange paintings with local grocery stores or liquor stores. So the idea that at that point in time, someone could acquire all these works very cheaply was nothing of a surprise. Well, at this point, we see amazing black and white photos of the Abex artists in their studios working on paintings or just hanging out with friends. And it's very cool because you see all these vintage photographs. Well, Ronald Spencer, he is the, uh, uh, he's a person who works for the Pollock Krasner Foundation, uh, meaning who, Dave? Uh, Jackson Pollock. Uh-huh. And? Mark Krasner. His wife, Lee Krasner. Right. Wife, Lee. That's, uh -huh. right, that's right. And he says, don't forget when this unidentified Lee Krasner. Mr. X was supposed to have been buying these works, they weren't expensive. You know, they were maybe five or $10,000. Well, 
In what year? It would have been like the 50s and 60s. Okay. So Miller from the Times Still says, pretty hefty. Yeah. These paintings have never been exhibited. They have no provenance and they have no real paperwork. Now, of course, Dave, you know what provenance is. Um, like, yeah, like that means that it appeared in a gallery from so-and-so date or blah, 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 The blah. goal of provenance is a history of ownership. And sure, ideally, you, you want to trace thing. it yeah. from its inception, yeah. okay, in the studio to who to you're conception. buying it from. Yeah. To its conception. So. Inception, okay. conception, perception. Okay. The very least, though, is you need some paperwork showing right. where the art's been created. It's like created. a dog. Yeah. It's like a dog. I got you a dog. Does it have papers? No. But yeah. is it a purebred? Yes. Well, Take my word for it. Anne says the sister might have had some of the paperwork, but it's probably been destroyed. I mean, she prepared, you know, she had this story. So there's the no story question. The provenance, dude. Yes. I mean, that's why I'm, I'm fucking Pawn Stars. What yes. does Rick always ask him? What's the story? Where'd you get it? Exactly. That's why, like, if the like, if you have the fucking general's jacket from the Civil War, and you know who's fucking or sergeant or lieutenant, yeah. if you know whose it is, it's got a little letter, yeah. and it's like a little picture. Uh-huh. It's all fucking adds to the provenance. Yeah. Now some of them say provenance. Pro provenance. Some of them say provenance. Yeah, provenance. I, I prefer provenance. Time to meet. Chiago Pawarczyk. Okay. Okay. He's a New York uh, art forensic specialist. Uh huh. Well, he says it's completely opaque and they should never have accepted this as provenance. And Marjorie, she says, I mean, you wouldn't have thought that at least one of those pictures might have appeared in a background shot, you know, showing one of the artists in the stu- in his studio. And Ann's lawyer says, often you can find some records of a work's existence, but it's never perfect, and records can be fabricated. Well, Anne says, you had great collectors from Walter Chrysler to Roy Neuberger to Joe Hirschhorn. They all did that. They went into artist studios, and they bought cheaper by the dozen, and they paid cash. And this story was credible to me. I believed what I was told. There was mystery, but there's often mystery in provenance. But I hope to solve this mystery as time went on. What are you laughing? At? She's like, there's often mystery in provenance. Like it's like it's like a fucking like you've entered a a, a part of the game that's now provenance. Well, like during sudden death provenance. <laughs> this, I mean, I don't know. It's just funny to use that. Like, I don't know. The next shot we see, we see a hand, and all we see is a hand. And it's somebody that is forging Mark Rothko's signature Sick. on a painting. Hell yeah. Okay. My, na- my name is Juan. I make <laughs> fake paintings here in... You're not too far <laughs> off. In Jalisco? The, well, man, the man pays me $300 a painting. <laughs> so I just look at the picture and I by paint By the way, it. you're not far <laughs> off. <laughs> so yeah. Luke says... None of the works Rosales brought to the gallery were in the catalog raison of the artists. Raison. Catalog raison. Raison. Is a comprehensive catalog of the authentic works by a particular artist. There you go. This is what I'm talking about. So a catalog raison Mm -hmm. means somebody takes the time to find every piece of art. And they put them in a book and they call it the what? The raison catalog. (laughs) Catalog de Raison. 
Dr. Sharon Flesher says, everyone accepts the fact that there might be some legitimate works that didn't make it into the catalog. Raison. Raison. <laughs> they weren't known to the authors at the time, but nonetheless, it's sort of the Bible. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they, they've got like, they know every... There so, are people that spend their entire lives as like scholars. Like a, and they're like, like a, what are you going to do like, with your life? And like they're like, I'm doing a raison yeah, catalog yeah. for this dude. Wow. This is my life's work. Wow. Yeah. So, and then you sell 40 copies. And you're like, <laughs> oh my God, what did I do with my life? I just went $80,000 into the hole for this thing. Well, Luke says, what do you do? You go to the people Plus who created work. the catalog, raisonné. Raisonné. I, I think it's raisonné. Raisonné. I think we're going to say raisonné. That's, That's fine. And you ask them, will you look at this? Can you give me your opinion? So, so like, people make careers out of this because they're like, I've got the catalog raisonné. But, okay, so, but, so how often would a, a guy like, uh, uh, what was one of your guys from earlier? Who? One of the artists? Jackson Pollock? Pollock, Pollock. Yeah. Like, did Pollock ever draw the same exact image twice? Um, he might have. Might have, but most, usually it's one thing at a time. Yeah. One piece. Yeah. And moves on to a house or a tree or whatever the fuck they're painting. Like, it's not just four trees in a row he's just doing, right? Well, he like didn't exactly do the trees. You know what I mean, you know. though? Trees, it's all the yeah. same shit. Trees, <laughs> yeah. faces, paint, uh-huh. houses, it's all the same shit. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, abstract. Do you know modern. what a Pollock looks like? Nah. <laughs> nah. Doesn't really, doesn't matter, really. Okay. Honestly, okay. wouldn't matter. Right. Wouldn't be able to tell. But it's just, the, the, it's the furthest from trees you could get. Uh, trees, people, no, no, shapes. There's no people either. Fruits, whatever the fuck you're painting. It's all the no. same thing. That's no. not my point. Shapes. Pollock was influenced by jazz. Oh, okay. fuck <laughs> you, dude. Don't so, say that, dude. So he literally had a rhythmic ever. movement oh, with his work. Gross. So he would literally take buckets of paint. I don't know who I hate more. Okay. You or him. And he would put put his... I know, the swirl shit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I so know. you do really know who Pollock is. I know. He okay. puts the big flat shit on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, okay. I know. <laughs> I mean, I know. All right. It's But um, uh, um so... So that kind of makes sense, actually. Mm-hmm. It actually makes sense, like because they again, again, they do this with the Star Wars stuff, yeah. And they they have the same. Sometimes they have an image of the thing, sometimes they don't, yeah. But like they kind of roughly know how many are in existence, uh-huh. and then it'll name off if those people want to be named off, right? As owning one. Let's get back the, to the in story the, in the Star Wars raison. <laughs> and says, David and fam. Was in town from London. That's and when me and my family go out. We're David and fam. Let's <laughs> go, dude. I'm fucking retarded today. Let's go. And I showed him the painting. He had an immediate take, which I knew he would have, which is it's beautiful. It's a Rothko. And he had the expert eye of Rothko. He was a noted Rothko scholar, noted as an abstract expressionist scholar, hired by the National Gallery and the Rothko family to do the catalog raisonné. Wow. So this guy was even convinced himself. That's what really blew me away. Whoa. So okay. the guy, or he's in on it. The guy that, on the did, take. that did the raisonné catalog, which was the Bible for Rothkos. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. It well, meant a great deal, and it was right. I mean, that, that would just be... That would, like... I guess that's such a crazy thing to do. Like, even for some... So when did Roscoe die? 
I don't. I want to say Rothko. 60s. Rothko. Yeah, was I it? would say late fifties, early sixties. So how many? I don't have the date. Like I have the Pollock. Okay. 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 But I do know he killed himself in a bathtub. So okay, was, but, but but he was drunk too. He was drugged or drunk? No, he was very drunk. drunk. Okay. Well, yeah, he was a drinker. We usually are. Um, the uh, us artists is yeah. what I mean. Um, the us critics yeah. are stone cold sober. Yes, yes, yes. We know. Um, the. <laughs> Okay, so, but, like, even a guy like Rothko, uh-huh. okay, like, a guy that probably, how many years do you think he was painting for? Oh, probably for 60 years? 40 years. 40 years, let's yeah. say. Let's say 40 years. Yeah. So, the bulk of it is in, his, all of it's in the 1900s. Uh-huh, and correct. I get, I understand that, you know, it's a lot of time regardless. Yes. But, but if the man, and the man was famous during his painting times also, right? He was. That like you would just know every single painting that he's painted before. Well, it's just crazy to me that you would f- just find one that like you never heard about, never talked about, and all of a sudden you just see a painting. I'm gonna show you a Rothko just oh, so you know what we're looking at. Okay? God, I can make that. Okay, that's Rothko's uh, red, black, and blue. Okay, <laughs> I want to see his black. I want to see his red, blue, and orange. All right, well, he does have a red, blue, and orange. That's Armenian colors right there. Okay, so anyway, Hi, next Astan. we see. Next, we see on the t- on the screen the art of the con. Well, back to Maria. She's the one that wrote the book on the confidence game. She says a master con artist gives you what you want. Good carnists, good con artists are very good psychologists. They're someone who understand human need, who understand human desire, who understand how belief and how hope work. Okay. Well, according to Luke, Rosales was on the scene to demonstrate she was someone who could be trusted and someone who had a role in the art world. Can't be fool hand, Luke, this one. (laughs) Anne says she went to auctions, she went to openings, um, and she brought art, bought art from me. So she's buying art from Anne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you go to public or you go to openings, you're out in public. You're not hiding from anybody, according to Anne. Well, Michael describes it as a fascinating game of cat and mouse because with each additional painting that Glafira brought in, Anne would try to get information about Mr. X uh, from her. And Glafira would say, well, I'll tell you this. He's very happy with how you're doing so far. Well, Paul uh, Spencer, Ronald of the Paula Krasner Foundation says, don't forget this was only one or two fakes sold by Nodler a year. Okay. People look back at the total number. Of course, it's illegal. <laughs> okay, I just want to make people sure. <laughs> look back at the total number and say, "Oh my goodness, they weren't brought up to Nodler in a wheelbarrow." Okay, it's not like she dumped seventy yeah. paintings in yeah, one yeah, day. Yeah, no, I get it. That's true too. I mean, it's not like yeah. All right, well, it's time to meet Jason Hernandez. He's the former assistant U.S. attorney who worked on the case, and he says it was kind of a trickle over time. Slow and steady was the plan. You know, Glafira is a small pretty quiet person. She doesn't fit the profile of what you would think would be an international art criminal, but we know that her boyfriend has an art background. Okay. Well, the director of the film chimes in and he says, just so I have it. So I know if you could tell me your name, well, we meet the boyfriend. Whoa. Okay. Just the boyfriend. Uh Uh-huh. Oh boy. My name is Jose Carlos Bagantinos Diaz. Oh boy. All right. Hefty guy in his seventies. Currently. Real grease ball. Well, in what way? <laughs> he's a, you could just tell he's sketchy. Okay. Okay. 
yeah. Well, beer, no beer, no shade, beer. glasses. No, just over. Uh, he's heavy set. Heavy set. You know, balding. Okay. Just look like he's been in some some dark, dark light, dirty shit. Is he dark? He's Hispanic. Okay. Uh, cool. Perry says, "Who is Bergantinos? Who's Gloria or Gl- Glafira Rosales?" These people have a gallery, supposedly, in New York City. They supposedly have a gallery in Sands Point. They've been accused of trafficking forgeries in Spain. Bergantinos was accused in a 2006 lawsuit of having forged various documents. Well, Jason, he says there are red flags surrounding him. There are indications that if there's a scheme here, and there clearly is, then he is in on it. Well, the director says... And Friedman ran the gallery. Did you ever meet her? He's speaking to Bergantinos. And he says, I never met her. I never met her. I didn't know the assistant either. I didn't know anyone. Well, how did Con- you know there was an assistant then? <laughs> Konnikova, she says, whether it was Bergantinos or whether it was Glafira, they did their research. When you pick someone like Anne, you're picking someone at a vulnerable moment in their career when they need something like this. So I'm thinking, is this elderly abuse? Okay, because Anne's getting up there. She looks like a grandma. And I'm like, these guys targeted her. So now I'm starting to feel a little sympathy for Anne. Now, Hernandez says... You know, you can't be accused of elderly abuse when you're a professional in a business. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, you're like like the fucking head honcho out of fucking... That's like claiming... (laughs) Well, I do think that the Democrats did commit elderly abuse on on uh, Joe Biden, right? Because that's that is elderly, abuse. and that's a different program. Yeah, but I'm just saying that, like, yeah, but like when you're the fucking professional, how 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 being taken advantage of? That's everybody's trying to take advantage of you. Continue. Well, Hernandez says, and that's one of the things that someone like Glafira and Bergantinos are banking on. And Konnikova says a con artist isn't a good isn't a good speaker. A con artist is a good listener. Mm. And Glafira did that incredibly well. Mm-hmm. The works came in, and the first thing Ann did was bring them to experts. Okay? That's what dealers do. Yeah. All I right? mean, I, Whether I there's f- prov see, there's no prov. See, yeah. Providence. Providence mm. skis. But see, that's the thing, too. It's like, is this old lady supposed to be like the... Is she like an... She's not an appraiser. She's not an expert. I mean, Here's she, the she's problem. a curator. You're right. She's not old because this film is 20 years later after it happened. Oh, and we're seeing her now. This is what I'm at. This is what yeah. I asked. You didn't yeah, mention that right. it's in the 2000s. Yeah. So we can't. Okay. Co- it's not elderly abuse. No, no, no it's not. Elderly. Okay. No, no. Anyway. But you didn't mention that this was in the two, early 2000s. Well, this is 1995 is when the whole thing started. Started. And when yeah. does it end? When I tell you it's over. Okay, but in like in the last 10 years? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe 15. Wow. Well, the National Gallery of Art was publishing a catalog, Raisonne, of Rothko works on paper. So apparently there's different Raisonnes, if it's on paper or if it's on canvas. So maybe I'm wrong about these Raisonnes. I mean, there's probably a specific one for every single fucking one, dude. Well, the point is There's this. probably these Grand Raisonnés, and there's uh-huh. probably these... Uh, uh, Picasso's this, Blue Period Raisonnés. This is an addendum to yeah. uh, Raisonné 641 <laughs> on uh, Roscoe right. and uh, all the things of Spain. Well, they wrote to Anne about... I keep saying Roscoe. <laughs> they wrote to Anne about two of the Rothkos and said, we've evaluated the works. We intend to Rothko's include these works. Waffles. 
in the catalog. Mm -hmm. So you got the National Gallery saying, we're going to put these two Rothkos that you have in our raisin A. And she goes to the leading conservator at the time and the conservator for the Rothko estate. And she gets condition reports um, that made positive comments about the works. Like this is a classic example of Rothko's style. Wow. See everybody. I mean, how can you, okay. See, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Even if one of these fucking paintings Uh that was a fake Uh had renown resounding, I don't know what the word is, like had so much, positive feedback from even the estate of the motherfucker who drew it how could you not just like you have to forgive this girl this lady that's like even if one of them buddy i went back and forth so many times so you're doing the same thing i I, was i I hope our listeners are doing the same unless they're all in on it dude well they could all just be in on it this was someone who had conserved hundreds and hundreds of paintings and saw nothing out of line when she looked at the physical construction of the paintings Okay, well, next, a Pollock comes through the door, okay? And eventually, seven Richard Diebenkorns, okay? <laughs> Fucking, we're getting heavy over here, dude. <laughs> Shit. I gotta be honest. Seven? I gotta be honest. I have no idea who Richard Diebenkorn is. I, <laughs> so, and... Richie D? <laughs> Rand says... The corn? It Let's was go. like uh, discovering raw land to develop it. I did hire, after all, an expert. Discovering raw land Uh to develop in. Okay. E.A. Carmine to be uh, in charge for the research on this. I trusted his eye completely. He absolutely felt they were right, and he put it in writing. Well, we see a photograph of Carmine. And was paid $25,000. Of course he was compensated. He says, for the record, and in full disclosure, it should be noted that I have served as a consultant to the Nodler Archives. All right? Which was legally separate from Nodler and Nodler Company, which is no longer extent. I have also received compensation, as you just discussed, Dave, from Nodler and Nodler Company as a guest author for exhibition publications. I have received no compensation for my opinion on this Pollock, untitled 1949, nor for my opinion on any other Nodler holding. Aside, I might note... For my personal pleasure in the unique opportunity to see and study a painting, which adds to my art historical analysis of, in my opinion, the artist's greatest period of work. In my opinion, Untitled 1949, seen by me at No Learn Company, is the work of Jackson Pollock. Sincerely, E.A. Carmine Jr. So he's saying, I was not paid for this piece to evaluate. And more importantly, it is a piece from Jackson Pollock's greatest period of work. Okay? Okay. It gets the Carmine signature of approval. Well, yeah. MH- very sketchy <laughs> stuff going on over here. <laughs> MH Miller from the Times says a lot of lot of hands to you can grease a lot of hands with $80 million, let me tell you. They wanted so badly to believe that these things were real. Because it was better for everybody if they were real. Here we have this great yeah, discovery. That's exactly what I mean. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This trove of previously unknown paintings by some of the most celebrated artists of the 20th century. See, that, that's the gag right there. It's not illegal for him to have the opinion mm-hmm. that it's real. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the gag. That's it. Show's over. Show's over. <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> 
All right, let me finish Miller's sentence. He says, here we have this great discovery, this trove of previously unknown paintings from some of the most celebrated artists of the 20th century. And I think that if you really wanted something to be true, you would do your best to ignore any kind of red flags. But you know, there were a lot of them. Now, Dave, do you want to hear how rich art people talk in letters about art? <sighs> no. Okay. But I have a feeling you're going to do it. And in the voice, that's just going to make me want to fucking punch you. This is a letter from <laughs> Oliver Wick. It's going to be very teethy. Oliver Wick to Anne. Dear Anne. I knew it was going to be teethy. I return home back safely and have already been to Venice since. However, I wanted to thank you for the unforgettable Saturday three weeks ago. That's the only bottom lip. The Barnett Newman still sits in my brains like a nervous bee. <sighs> From all the treasures so far, I have the privilege to see form this unbelievable source. This is truly the most exciting one. You always have been so generous in sharing them with us and having had the opportunity to host two Rothko's in the past Art Foundation, Bela, enabled me to create two beautiful presentations. I wish I would have some little Bonnet Newman gallery to be assembled. Now, the first sentence of that makes it sound like they fucked. I would not hesitate to ask you for the loan. I was even dreaming to dispose of enough conviction or money to secure this fine painting for our own collection. A real treasure and so beautifully fresh, hardly ever seen. I hope you will have it for some more in order to work something out soon. Best regards for now, Oliver Wick. <laughs> Gross. I just could I, I, I had to him. pause it and, re and read him. this letter. I was like, I, this sounds like, a, like they're him. having sex. Yeah. Thank well, you so much for that blowjob in the car. Well, Anne's lawyer says the experts that she went to approved these works in some form of another. And when she had the experts around her affirming what she believed, she dove right in head first. Well, now we see a title up called The Collectors. Now, Jack Flam, he says, Art, it's a kind of high-end commodity that has a very small audience. And uh, former assistant U.S. attorney Jason Hernandez says it's exclusivity. I mean, we're talking about the world's greatest artists. They don't have a whole lot of works. And we're also talking about people with a lot of money. So they might want to collect something that's ultra rare that no one else literally can have. And when you have these combinations of those facts together and someone comes up with a new discovery, it's really enticing. Well, the DeSoles were very smart people. Domenico was a graduate of Harvard. He's very sophisticated, and they have an impressive art collection. So we see a gentleman who bought a piece. This is Domenico Del Sol. He's on the cover of Time magazine, okay? okay. This guy's a somebody. I mean, that's, again, like... Well, he was also the And these guys all fell for it. He was the chairman of Sotheby's. Do we ever find out who painted these? Yeah. Yeah, okay, thanks. He was the chairman. This is the fat fuck? No. Okay. He was the chairman of Sotheby's. Perfect. Okay. I mean, the guy knows what's up. We visited an old friend. The truth is, nobody knows anything about these things. That's the truth. We visited an old friend, and he said to me, the next time you go to New York, you really must see this very close friend of mine. She's probably the best in the United States. I'm Friedman. Especially when it's just globs of colors. I didn't know who she was. 
I didn't know anything about Nuller at the time. Nuller? We talked at the about time? we talked about a Scully <laughs> that we really liked. Oh, they're big X Files fans, aren't we? <laughs> Why don't, why don't we call them Friedman to see if they have the Scully available? Available. <laughs> well, Ann says, I didn't... That was about Mulder. I didn't have one at the time, but I wanted to meet them. Mm-hmm. Well, we meet Domenico's wife, Eleanor, and she says it was a very nice location. You know, you went up the stairs. There was an office where we were seated. My sweet Lenore. A couple of works on easels, and they were covered. And Ann says, and they said... What's over there with the cover on it? And I said, well, actually, it's a Rothko. And they were like, well, we love Rothko. Can we take a look? And Eleanor says these two works of art were unveiled, and one appeared to be a Rothko, and one appeared to be a Pollock. We were like, wow, look at these. Well, it takes your breath away, which, you know, is not something that comes into your life and you see every single day. So, of course, we inquired about them. Well, we see the Rothko. It's listed as untitled, 1956, oil on canvas, signed and dated, uh, and it sells to Nodler for 950000 Well, Nodler sold it to DeSol for $8.3 million. Okay? It's a pretty good markup. It's a 10, it's a thousand percent. It's a pretty good markup. Yeah. Time to meet criminal attorney Stanley Isn't Brand. Isn't a thousand percent? Yeah. Yeah. He says they were hoodwinked mm-hmm. in a sense, but they were all sophisticated people, sophisticated in business, in their professional lives, and yet they all succumbed to the charm of this art. Okay. Now, what happens? Like, do they insure these things? We're going to get to that. Oh, okay. Dr. Jeffrey Taylor, he's of uh, New York Art Forensics, he says, I think the mindset that led the souls to sort of be in love with this, what they believe to be a Rothko, is a frequent mindset of the collector who has bought a forgery. Falling in love really describes the process of ignoring and forgiving flaws as somebody who is smitten with their new love is going to ignore their flaws. That makes a lot of sense, bro. How many times have we ignored red flags because sex was amazing, but you're doing coke 12 times a week and you think you're in love and you're willing to look past that because the sex is amazing. Are we still talking about my resolutions? No. What I'm not not supposed to be doing this year? Okay, go on. People do this when they fall in love all the Ah, time. That's right, that's right. Well, Konnikova says... Fall in love with Coke, that's right. This is something that's an ego boost for you. It's something where where you have people come to your house. You want them to see it. Well, if suddenly the exact kind of Rothko that you want comes on the market, are you going to ask too many questions or are you just going to buy it? Well, Domenico says, I just want to make clear I do not have a trained eye. I am not an expert. The paintings did look very good. And in fact, the person that we used as our advisor, he's very sophisticated. He thought uh, the paint looked very, very good. <laughs> That's such a... Oh, my God. Like We have their advisor. He's very sophisticated. Like, to, first of all, to call your advisor sophisticated, this you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Second, yeah. then when you say the paint looked very good, uh-huh. ugh. Yeah. That's... It's not, not exactly a lot of information. Yeah, the paint, <laughs> mm, yeah, the paint looks good. That's right. Fucking this fucking idiot right here. <laughs> He'll say whatever. He'll buy whatever the fuck I tell him to buy. Well, the price of $8 million sounds like a lot, but that said, that's kind of low for a Rothko. Good Rothkos of the period actually go for much, much more than what that. What are we talking, 20s? 
30s, 40s, 50s wow. for the Roths. Like if it's at Sotheby's or Christie's especially. Yeah. Because they take their sick markup also. Of course. Um, Anne says they didn't seem to have many questions. They were totally enthralled with the painting. Yeah. Well, Eleanor says Domenico was insistent besides an invoice with the price. He wanted a warranty of authenticity. And Friedman and supplied the fuck out of them. a multi-page document listing every expert who had seen the painting and authenticated okay. the painting. Yeah, no, these, I mean, come on. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> we see the names on this document. Uh-huh. They're all fake? They're all forged? No, Christopher no. Rothko, who's the son. Son of... He's on there. That's crazy. David and Fam's on there. Of these course, he did are... the catalog resume these for Rothko. Are... They're all... Carmine Jr.'s on there. Consulting art historian Jack Flam. Lolly Nasser, Mark Rothko catalog, Raisonne, Stephen Polkarl. All right? I wonder how much they got paid each. But think about that. His own son looked at this thing. He was like, that's my dad. Yeah, he's fucking all boozed up, fucking whores and shit now. He doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fucking Rothko, you dumb fuck. Yes. Yeah, so how much you going to pay me for that? 25000 Perfect. Venmo it. Yeah, I got to right get now. back to the club. Venmo my account $25,000 right now. <laughs> back to Jack Flam, uh, who was in this letter. Okay. He said, I was listed as an expert. He's on- fucking texting. Did you Venmo $25,000 yet? What the fuck are you waiting for? I was listed as an expert on DeSoul's painting, which is how I, it's one of the reasons I got sucked into this. Now, I'm not an expert on Rothko. I have no memory of ever seeing this painting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a red flag. And saying yeah. he looked at it. He's an expert. That's what I'm saying. Like, these people would know. Like, they know every single fucking painting that these people made. You know what's fascinating when they showed the invoice? I don't remember these blobs of colors together. The invoice, the painting. Yeah. And he paid whatever. What did I say? Eight point something mil. No, no, no. Uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. Eight and a half mil, something like that. They're like, here it is. It's being shipped. By the way, the framers will be reaching out to you for a charge. You have to pay for the fucking frame? It's like, bro. Throw the frame in. I just spent eight and a half million dollars on a Rothko. I, I do think I'm thinking that's pretty cheap of them to do that. Isn't that cheap? <laughs> I guess, or maybe they mean they're going to be oh for the charge. Okay, who gives uh, a well, fuck? I mean, they could be. How much does it cost to paint well, it? Well, no, no, no. I mean, they could be reaching out to them. The framers could be reaching out to them for other reasons other than payment. No, no, it said. For payment? For yeah. payment of the frame. Yeah, that's pretty my, my point is, I'm going to deliver that thing myself. Yeah. I'm going to pay for the frame. Yeah. And I'm going to be there for the unveiling in the yeah. house. And yeah. be like, hey, yeah. this is on Nodler. I just made $7 million off of you guys. Anyway. Um, Spencer says, DeSoul knew there was no provenance. DeSoul knew that it was an, un- an unidentified owner, seller. In fact, they knew all that. Dave, let's go to the Byler Museum. The fucking Byler, dude. In Basel, Switzerland. <laughs> oh, in Basel? Basel. <laughs> Basel, Basel. Anne says the Dassault piece went to the Byler. So it was unbelievably exhibited in a context of what was called the Rothko Rooms. And Rothko was an American? Yeah. Okay. We've been talking about him. I just wanted to make sure he was American for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love because like just like I, I I would just for some reason when it comes to art I don't mm-hmm. I don't ever really think of any, many American artists that get their stuff put in uh, international. We've had a few, I'm sure, but 
I feel like you just think of Van Gogh, Van Gogh, and Monet, and Monet, and, and Degas. Was Picasso American? Partially Italian American. No, I mean he spent some time here. I think. I mean he. Died. I think he died here, but he was from Spain. Spain. Yeah. People think Picasso. I mean, Picasso was alive in the seventies, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, he lived a long life. Maybe he died in the eighties, even. I think it was the late seventies. Late seventies, and he was like, I mean, he was making, he was like fucking Stan Lee, making little fucking pictures of Spider Man on napkins and shit, and giving it to people. Yeah. There, you can buy one for like a dollar. Uh huh. They're everywhere. Buy Picassos for a dollar. You can't buy a Picasso. You can buy a real Picasso. Okay. Okay. Like twenty years ago, you could. No, you could not for a dollar. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're probably right. All right. Anyway. So I think for a dollar. Well, Fifty dollars. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Ann's lawyer says Ernst Beiler was one of the most important art dealers who devoted an entire exhibition to the works of Mark Rothko. Well, Ann says that DeSoul Rothko was on its own wall. Well, according to Eleanor, Beiler was alive then, and he didn't question it, and he accepted it. That's all more reason for us to think we really had this jewel. Well, Dr. Jeffrey Taylor says, you should be asking yourself, why am I getting this? Why have I gotten such a good deal? Well, let's talk about the forger, shall we? I'm sure you've been dying to know more about the forger. Okay, yes. I figured we wouldn't get into him until, or her until the next, or it, until the next episode. But I'm glad we're going to get into it now. Let's hear who the forger is. Well, I now, is the same forger for all paintings that got fucked by the Nambler? Just by the Nambler? By Nambler? By Nimbler? Who's Nibbler? What's the name? Nodler. Nodler. Okay. Fucking check my lymph nodlers. All right. Well, let's check <laughs> in. Nodler. I got it. With Charles Schmerler. Schmerler, lymph nodler. What's going on with these names? As you'll recall, he's the lawyer for Michael Hammer and the Nodler Gallery. What many of the experts did agree on at the outset was that it was highly unlikely if not impossible, that one person would be able to master the styles of so many different artists. Okay. It was extraordinary. Wow. And it was entirely unexpected by anyone who reviewed the works. It's amazing. Well, we hear a reporter. Government has to be involved. Time now for our favorite person of the day when we pick one person who grabbed our attention and not for the right reasons. Today, it is a 75-year-old artist who went from selling his paintings for a couple hundred dollars to selling them for millions. So is the grease ball. It's not the grease ball. Okay. It is a middle-aged Asian man named Peishan Kwan. No. Mm -hmm. I wanted this to be a, a Mexican dude. Here's what we know about Peishan. No. He lived in China. He was an accomplished painter. And then when he came to the States, he couldn't make it in the art world like he had been in China. Well, we meet Hong Tu Zong, who is a friend of Peishan's. And he describes him as very frustrated because, you know, he had a big name in China. But in America, nobody knew who he was. He had trained at the Art Student League. Okay. Now, do you know what the Art Student League is? Um, no. It's a very famous institution. It's been in New York forever. New York, okay. So I was trying to think of where it might be. Pollock went there. Okay. Okay. And got we have the Pasadena School of Arts. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. Well, we also briefly see Peishan's classmate, Al Wiel, um, mm. who kind of just stands there stoically, chest forward, hands clapped at his waist, but he never says anything. It's kind of weird. 
Yeah, he probably doesn't speak English. <laughs> he doesn't know why the fuck he's there. <laughs> just why they chose to put him in the yeah. the, the movie, because that's all we see of him. Okay. Uh, so Ronald Spencer, he says, the fellow was quite clearly, A, a genius, and B, he had studied these techniques of seven to eight different ABEX painters. Now, you remember what ABEX stands for? No. Abstract Expressionist. Got it. And he'd studied really hard. Well, Marjorie, she says the Chinese have had a tradition for a thousand years or more of correctly copying uh, and being deadly accurate, uh, which is the greatest tribute you could pay to a previous artist. And it was a test of your own skill. Now, I know this to be true, Dave, because when I first came to Los Angeles at a job waiting tables and one of my buddies started banging the dishwasher, okay? Now, she, I like where the story is going. She couldn't speak a lick of English. Chinese Chinese lady? He knocked her up, this Chinese lady. Nice, dude. Had a kid. That was our her. government baby now. Had a kid. And one day he invited us over to this the house. This child is owned by the CCCP. CCP. <laughs> one day he invited us over. <laughs> and we saw all of this amazing art. And wow. we were like, your dishwasher wife is extremely talented. And he goes, oh, no, man. She just traces all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. I didn't think about tracing it. Then you just trace it. She was a tracer. So anyway, we see at this point extraordinary <laughs> oh, no, man, she traces all that shit. in Sichuan, China, where they appear to be just cranking these things out in bulk. Oh, man. Okay. Like just in a sweat. sweat uh -huh. I had. How did I not know it was China, dude? So <laughs> How did I miss that? I really thought Mexico, because the little, little, little Latina lady threw me off. But I was really hoping Mexico. You know why she threw you off? Why? Because she's a con artist. She was creating right. her own story. Sure. Okay? You're right. The last but thing but she even, wants is but, you knowing that it's But even Chinese. before you said about them going to Mexico, I, I was thinking I had cartel vibes in my head. Of course. Like you Mexican it was, cartel shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Carter Ratcliffe, he's an art critic. He says, keep in mind, this Chinese devotion, as it were, I'm putting words into his mouth, it goes back centuries, millennia, really. Originality was not a virtue, which kind of makes sense. Fall in line. Okay? Yeah, sure. Um, well, Hong Sung Zhang, whose patient's friend, says, nothing from your heart. It's only copy others' technique. They not only copy art, they copy iPhone. <laughs> I like this guy. They copy. They so copy many. everything. They copy. Every, I mean, that's this is what the basis of uh, Silicon Valley, the show, is. Oh, uh, okay. It's about them just making high tech. It's just making social media and like there's a whatever new ver, new app is out. Uh -huh. There's a Chinese fake already being made. Yeah. High tech. They copy. High tech. We copy. We copy. Well, I mean, Shane Anderson from Vanity Fair <laughs> says you have to wonder if you're. If you're the Chinese artist turning out these pieces that almost no one could tell apart from the true masterpieces. Ah, Leonardo da Vinci. And Hong Tong Zhang, his friend says he's good. He has some talent, but not really like Picasso. Matisse is kind of talent. His Mark Rothko is a very bad copy. Well, okay. Ronald Spencer. I mean, just, it could have been that bad. But again, this is also, we're talking at this time, we're talking yeah. pre-internet no, the internet was out during this time. Yeah. Oh shit. Like 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 when they got fooled with the first, like when that guy bought that eight million dollar Rothko. Yeah. That was after the internet. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. Well, Spencer he disagrees. He said they were brilliant, absolutely brilliant fakes. 
And Jason Hernandez, who's the you know uh, state's attorney, he says Glafira and Bergantinos they interviewed or you know looked for a bunch of people to do this, and they settled on Patient because he was the best they found, and he was able to do multiple artists. When Patient created the paintings, they're fresh, they're new. I mean, they're brand new. They're not from the 50s and 60s as they should be. So Shane makes the painting and then it goes to the Bergantinos and he does things to the paintings to make it look credibly old. Oh, okay. these motherfuckers. So who's this guy now, the second guy? This is Glafirius. Glafirius. Uh, Bra husband, the grease ball. Yeah, real grease ball uh. shit. So the surface might have cracking. There's going to be dust. The frame has to be the right age, and even the canvas has to be the right age. So Bergantinos, they go get the materials, the raw supplies, an old canvas, the right kind of frame, and they work glove in hand. They needed patience artistry, but then Bergantinos had to put the finishing touches on it to give it the appearance of age and credibility. Well, let's meet patience. Fascinating. I mean, I knew... Uh, this has always happened. Yeah. And this is like always happening, mean, obviously. Yeah. But well, I watched. I watched in the dark. Do uh, they show a little bit of how no, they do it? No, but here's Damn. the thing. There's a doc I might cover about who I consider to be the greatest forger of all time, and we're going to debate this later on when we do our Simpsons episode of forgers. His name is Beltraki, and Beltraki in the doc um, about his life. What he would do is he would go Forger to Forger like, Lightning, SVT. He would go to like um, flea markets and he would find old vintage canvases that were period specific, okay? But then he would take the paint off and repaint on them mm. because that's how dedicated he was. And then he would like find dirt and lint from wherever and put it just sprinkle it inside yeah. the painting. You know what I mean? I was just imagining that right now, like having a little bit of dirt, dirt or linen next yeah. to him. You kind of just like, yeah, it seemed like he ageifying was, it. He's hardcore. It, but we'll get say. more on to uh, I Be- mean, Beltraki. They uh, fucking, <clears throat> even at work, dude, they, we have, you know, high end stuff that, that is, comes pre antiqued. They do a damn good job of making it look old. Let me tell yeah, you, but this. dude. How do you fool these great? No, I get it. Catalog raisiners. <laughs> fucking, okay. They're fucking raising it around, dude. I don't know. Right. It's not working. Well, anyway, Peshan, we meet him, and he says, "If you look at my bank account, you'll see there's no income. I'm still a poor artist. You think I could be involved with this?" Um. Well. Ann's lawyer says he was paid very little at the beginning. <laughs> what a piece of job. As time went on. He was at the 67th Street Armory Art Fair, and he saw one of the works that Nodler had in a booth. Oh, no. So then he goes to Rosales and says, uh, you got to pay me more money. Yeah. Dude, how about that for like the ultimate plan you didn't that's foresee? Hilarious. He's just strolling down in a gallery, and he's like, that's my fake Rothko, and they just sold it for like 10 mil? Yeah. I got to go back and say, I want more cash. Yeah, or I'm exposing you. Well, the director wants to know how Bergantinos met Peshan, and he says, well, I bought art from him when he was doing street paintings. Um, sometimes I needed money, and I bought and sold like everybody else. Well, <clears throat> Rosales was the one, I'm sure, with some help from the boyfriend, created the story surrounding the works. It was very executed, says Anne's lawyer. Well, Jack Flam, he says... You have to remember that Glaferio Rosales had tried to sell those paintings herself. 
even if she had access to the collectors or galleries that Ann Friedman sold to, they would have laughed at her. Well, Patricia, from the time she says... Wait, 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 yeah. wait, 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 what? Who, what now, why? Because she wasn't her name. She didn't know, though. Just, you have to have provenance yeah, 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 as, a yeah, yeah, yeah. as a person to sure, pull this sure, shit sure. off. Okay, gotcha. Well, Patricia says we all see something into context. You go to the Museum of Modern Art, you go to the Met, and you see a painting out there. Even an expert is not going to think, well, there's something not right with the painting. You rely on the museum as a whole, as a, like an infrastructure that would have vetted the painting. Yeah, surely somebody would have known. You would think. Well, the Dominico's lawyer says Nodler had such a prominent reputation, and I think people just never suspected. Well, according to Anne, more and more people liked the work. When I say liked it, wanted it. In front of you, you could see their eyes light up. There was this depth to the desire of these paintings. Well, on screen, we see some text that reads, over the next 10 years, paintings from Glyphera were sold to Nodler to collectors, museums, and galleries around the world. Over 60 paintings were ultimately sold for $80 million. Now, we see a list of the fakes. You got Diebenkorn, Rothko, Franz Klein, Clifford Still, Warhol, Sam Francis, Pollock, Motherwell, Lee Krasner, de Kooning, and the prices that these things are fetching are just in the millions of dollars. Now, one thing that was very interesting about this, when they list all those paintings, I noticed that most of them were untitled works. Because I would assume, I mean, a lot of artists, you know, they'll do a series of works and they won't name them. They'll just say they're untitled or, or just an one-off can be untitled. But it would probably be easier to fake an untitled painting you know, because yeah, yeah, no. it's fucking untitled. Sure. You know, hey, we just found this thing. Yeah, because every other one is accounted for. Well, Dr. Jeffrey Taylor says anyone who works in what we call the secondary art market, where you're buying up a work from one party and reselling it to another, those deals, if you make 100% markup, that's the norm. But those profit margins were more like 200 to 800%. And we see more figures showing that Nodler paid Glafira, $750,000 for a fake Rothko, sold it for $5.5 million. We see a, a Clifford Still was purchased for six hundred, dollars sold for $5 million. And Taylor says that happens about once every 10 years. Okay? Wow. And any secondary market dealer would know that if they're repeatedly getting profit mar margins at that scale, that that's some cause for concern. Well, Anne yeah, says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't alone in believing these works of art. It wasn't Anne Friedman against the world. Everyone was willing. The art world was willing. They weren't hidden. They weren't downplayed. Have we, have we said how many pieces in total there were? Yeah, 60. Damn. Uh-huh. And, of course, they were exposed around the world. Now, do you know Toshin, the publisher? Oh, no. You go to any art uh, uh, gift shop at a museum... That are like doing an exhibit, let's say on Da Vinci. They'll be like, "Here, grab the book." Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the Da Vinci book. I, there was one. I, I got a real. Somebody gave me a free one for a. I went to. Um, who's the guy that did the Fear and Loathing? Hunter S. Thompson. Hunter S. Thompson. I went to Hunter S. Thompson. Little thing. He yeah. gave me one of these books, sixty dollar books. Pretty nice. Got Toshin probably published amazing, it. an amazing. Well, um, Toshin published the fake Rothko six times. Yeah. 
Well, Shanerson says she wanted, so wanted these works to be real because if they were, she would be a leading figure in the world of art dealers. She would be atop them all. And she let that lead her over the cliff. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) we've got a lot of things going here. We've got uh, egos. We've got ethos. Ethos. We've got a very small pool of Legos. <laughs> of art. Oh, yeah. Uh, with a very high demand from a very select yeah. group of buyers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now yeah, we yeah, see yeah, the yeah. title, Too Good to Be True. Right. Well, Ann Friedman's lawyer says Jack Levy, he went to the gallery and he was interested in buying a Pollock. What he said was, I'll buy this work, but I want you to subject it to an evaluation by IFAR. Okay. And that is? If I recall, the Institute of Forensic Art Research. Love it. So. IFAR, are they the, the gold standard? Yeah. Are they international? Yeah, that's I mean, Sharon Flasher. We were talking about her. What are they her. based out of? Uh, somewhere in the United States. Okay. I like It's it. not China. No, 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 no. Okay. No, 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 So next we see the following. We don't have intellectual property in China. We steal it. <laughs> see, it works when you do the Chinese voice, but I think if I did a Chinese accent, people would, it would, they yeah, would think it's you racist. Have the fucking, you have the teeth for it. But here's the thing. For like a, for like a stereotypical but Chinese is it, face. Is, it, is that me thinking that's wrong? Because you know me, I'll do an impression of just about anybody. But yeah. when it comes to the Chinese, I feel like if I do a Chinese impression... It's just going to be too racist. Well, you live in Long Beach. I'd be Maybe careful. Maybe it's just the voice in my head. Maybe. You know? I'm not going Ching Chong. I, I think of Ching Chong, and I think <laughs> it's going to be go too straight, racist. You go straight yeah. to Chingy, huh? All right. So let's Chingy talk Chong. about this work. The collector was Jack Levy. The painting bought was a Pollock. China owns Long Beach. Untitled was okay. the name of the pi- painting. Yeah. Uh, supposedly created in 1949. It sold for $2 million. Well, Sharon Flesher of IFAR says the International Foundation of Art Research, there yeah. you go, was founded. Farda, yeah. What is it called again? IFAR. IFAR. Not, not even close to Farda. IFAR. IFAR. Uh, I know you Pretty did. close to Farda, I mean. Uh-huh. Sparta, Farda. Was founded right. to deal with the complicated issues yeah. of attribution and authenticity. Sure. We're one of the only places that even does such a thing. And Mr. Livy negotiated that if we didn't accept it as a Pollock, he would get his money back. So okay. you have to understand, according to Patricia, the whole issue of authenticity is very, very troubled now in the art world. Now? Uh-huh. Like in 2023, four? Yeah. Okay. Hernandez, he's the attorney, he says one thing that really works for the forger's favor is that if you have a negative opinion, if you're not sure, you tend to keep it to yourself. There have been experts that have been critical of paintings and they got sued. Okay. Wow. Really? Uh-huh. Sharon says, Is that what you have to say in my opinion. I would assume so. You can't it's just ca- say it's a fake. Not financial advice. Exactly. You know? So crazy. Authentication research is usually three pronged. It's scholarly, which includes provenance. And then it's also bringing specialists together to look at the work, specialists who are knowledgeable about the artist to see whether it's consistent with the artist's style. And then it's also what we call the material properties, okay? Despite some positive comments about the work that looked superficially good, we had too many negative comments. Materially, one of the things we noticed, there was new paint 
on an old canvas. Now, this is a huge fucking red flag, okay? Because yeah, you can be date this shit. Yeah. Okay? Sure. Yeah, he's using some kind of uh, synthetic... Well, and my point is, if you're going to go this far to create a scheme, you have to do the research and be like, well, they didn't have yellow number seven back then. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not... I mean, here's the point. If I'm doing this, Skittles. it's not like, hey, Chris, what are you doing today? I'm going to Home Depot to get some bear. Yeah. To fucking like gloss Bapa, five. Dude. Yeah, like Bapa. <laughs> to go paint my grill. <laughs> go paint your fucking grill. Yeah. I'm going to do it I got right. this bear, bear paint. So Sharon says, we compared it physically to an actual Pollock painting from the same year, and the Masonite had aged completely differently. So there's some things you can fake, and there's some things you can't fake. Yeah. You can't fake the age of masonite. What's masonite? It's, it's like the paint. surface. It's not it's like the, the canvas. It's, it's like the wood he painted it on. Ah, I see. Surface. So, again, another red flag. Yeah. She says it was extremely suspicious. Stylistically, there were many concerns about the way the paint was applied, about the greenish-brown wash. What no one had it. He literally never used green and brown in this particular style. No one had ever seen it. Even Whoa. the people who liked the work questioned that. Interesting. And then the provenance. We attached 16 pages of documents showing why the provenance, provenance was inconceivable. So I'm counting a lot of red flags on this fucking Pollock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Pollock, He's his money back. Pollock is a very well-documented artist. He was famous in his lifetime, okay? The lack of documentation for a painting at the height of Pollock's career... I mean, this was when Life Magazine was asking whether he was the most famous artist in America. That was particularly astonishing. The combination of information made us write in the report that we could not accept the work as a work by Jackson Pollock, okay? And we see a sentence from the report that reads, quote, we cannot currently support its addition to the artist's oeuvre. Hell yeah, dude, these guys know what's up. Yeah, I mean, you gotta sound. You gotta use French words when you're fucking talking yeah, about these guys got shit fucking like this. Well, Anne's response was, "That just means it's inconclusive." Okay, now this is when I turned on Anne. Yeah, I'm like, you can't say the fucking paint didn't exist back then, and it's on the painting and say that's inconclusive. We're talking about scientific evidence at this point. Yeah, that's quite forensic, if you ask me. Yeah, and Sharon says. Well, in the art community, it's generally understood as it is a fake, but we just stopped short of saying that, and we said it multiple times. The fact is they hid the report, they never mentioned the report, and badmouthed us over the years. Now, I, Dave, happen... Oh, that, that's a representative of the IFAR people? Correct. Saying that? Like, they... She's they, saying that Anne knew this information. So, but but she never said in her report that it's a fake. They basically can't say that. All they can say is that it, this paint doesn't isn't consistent with the timeline. Right. This is this is that. But they're 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 not able to make it a an official Rothko. But it's not saying that it's a fake Rothko. They say we cannot currently support its addition to the artist's voir. Yeah. Okay. Speak a little French. Yeah, we cannot. You can protect yourself. Cannot currently support C C Y O A, baby. <laughs> now, I happen Ciao. to have received. Cover your ass. A copy 
of the letter that Anne wrote the buyer. Okay. Say, like, say it again. I received a copy of the letter that Anne wrote to the buyer. Okay. Now, would you want to hear that yeah, letter yeah, if yeah, I yeah, had yeah, that yeah. information? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was just trying to, I didn't understand what Dave, you said. Dave, I paused it. Okay. They show the letter. Oh, no shit. But okay. I had to transcribe. I want to see it now, baby. Let's hear it. Well, uh, our research department. Yeah, they're pretty good. It. They're pretty, <laughs> pretty good. good. Pretty good around here. Okay. This is a letter that Anne Hey, look, the talent's pretty good, too. It's pretty fucking good. Producer. Anne Friedman to Jack Levy. I have heard that IFAR has tried to muddy the waters over the Pollock you acquired. Apparently, they, or rather Sharon, the director, has written of it expressing some doubts. I stand by what I said. She mentioned several names of people who vetted the Pollock. These are big guns, larger than, quote, connoisseurs. Uh-huh. Whoever they are that Sharon has cornered. Ironically, I wrote two evaluations for IFAR a short while ago. Sharon did only the summaries. I was believable then. Why not now? Did I change my spots? It is a little curious. Let me tell you one thing real quick. I didn't mean to interrupt no, no. you in the middle of your... That's what this pod's about. If It is a little curious that in this day and age, <clears throat> that a prestigious museum uh-huh. like the nodler it's not an uh, it's not a museum it's what a dealer it? oh just a dealer but yeah. they're like quite prestigious oh yeah okay been around so, since the civil war okay so okay great <laughs> okay awesome um th- even though they're a dealer i get it that's a little scummier than being a museum itself or like mm-hmm. a gallery itself whatever but it's just it's a little curious how like when you're in a position when you're like in a power position you're not like it because you're like the dealer. Like you have all this, you have the people's things behind you. It, unless, unless you, th- in my opinion, unless you kind of thought that it might have been a fake, I don't think you subject it to, if you knew 100% in your heart that it's yeah. a real, you're yeah. not sending it to some fucking forensic piece of shit. Like, no, we're the experts. Fuck right. those people. Right. That's like, you know, I'm trying to think of an example. I can't really come up with one, but it's like, yeah, it's like you. It's like it's like you sending your baseball card to one authenticator, but then they use another authenticator to authenticate it. In my mind, sort of, kind of a thing. And it's like, no, we're the fucking. It's funny you mention that because you know me. I collect baseball cards. Okay. And um, I I follow a, a guy online um, who had a situation come up where he sent a card, very rare card, to PSA, and it graded okay. a five. Mm. And it, it was clean. It was a modern card, but it was very clean. And he thought it was deserved a 9.5. He sent it to PSA again, and it came back a 6. Then he sent it to BGS, who was a reputable grading company, and came back a 9.5. Yeah. So the idea is, do I resell this card as a 9.5 and mention the fact that it previously graded these lower grades? And my stance is, absolutely not. No, it's the, well, you these take are the most sub- recent. Well, not only that, these are subjective grades. So just because one said it was a five and then a six, and now it's a 9.5, which is going to sell for vastly amounts, whoever graded that before doesn't matter because it's subjective. You're not withholding any evidence. Yeah, it's not even just that. It's like, well, yeah, okay, go. And like, plus, I mean, we don't have to get into this whole other part of it, but like, Clearly, there's some agenda behind those other sixes and fives if it was that clean. Well, and here's my theory It's it's population control. Yeah, 100%. 100%. The biggest one, when you're at the top, you decide who the fuck Correct. Oh, it's a BG fucking 9.5? Right. Right. Okay, let's move on. 
So, um, and continues. Can you send a graded card to another? Yeah. Like already graded? Yes. Just this exact? Correct. You, you can. don't take it out or anything? No. Just and it's called, they put a double, the second grade on it? Here's what they do. If you have, a, let's say you have, who's your favorite baseball player? Ken Griff. Okay. Let's say you have a Ken Griffey and it's graded by PSA. That's not, that's not, not even my favorite. Let's say it's graded a PSA. Okay. You PSA. can send that card to another grading company and say, crack this out and grade it if you think it's going to grade higher than an eight. Interesting. If they won't, they will set, keep it in the case and send it back to you. Now, logic would dictate it's a fruitless endeavor because no grading company is going to say, we're going to grade that card higher than that grading company. Okay? So yeah. people do it, and the results are just awful. They, I would say 99% of the time, they come back lower. No, they don't even take them out of the case. Yeah. They say, no, we're not going to grade that higher. You know? So the point is, if you are in this game, what you do is you crack. You crack it out the PSA 8, then you send it over to BGS, and you hope to get a 9 or vice versa. So it's called cross-grading. Anyway, let's continue with Anne. <laughs> she says, I've read IFAR's report, and it just seems to be the standard argumentiveness for the sake of argumentativeness that afflicts the art world. Much of the piece is an attack on the idea of Osorio as the agent. Now, remember, he was the original owner, according to Glafiria's provenance. The attack is amateurish, judging from the photos. Ted Dragon making assertions that fly in the face of what is commonly known, e.g. no one watched Pollock paint, least of all Dragon, and irrelevant. We now know who the agent was, and he is very plausible as the source for the Pollock and others. He was there. Sharon is not a 20th century person, but someone who once wrote 30 years ago on the 19th. Now, I didn't know what to fucking make of that statement. That means that like, she knows her 20th century art and she doesn't know her 20th century art. She, knows the she wrote a paper 30 years ago on the 19th century. Well, century research came back to me. All of a sudden, she's a fucking expert, huh? Well, here's the thing. On fucking chemical analysis? Research came back to me and said, I'm pretty sure she is referencing, referring to the 19th Amendment that gave women the right to vote in 1920 oh, and is saying that Sharon didn't support it. I don't know. Uh, okay, I was way <laughs> off. I thought she was talking about, like, she didn't know much about the 20th Twentieth century i figured she i just want to shout out to she, Jess. she once wrote something 30 years ago on the 19th i thought she was talking that's about what i thought 19th century and right. i just want to shout out to Who Jess cares? because research cares dave okay go on jessica and research thank you for pointing that out to us thanks she continues okay rather than admit at the most and uncertain situation writing a refusal refusal to positively accept is positively unacceptable one should have the courage to be modest. Hope you are well. As we once discussed before, I would be pleased to see your collection. The gallery later tried to say that we didn't come up with an opinion. This is sketchy to me because she's speaking in circles. She's being indirect in my opinion. And this is when I'm really turning on this Nodler or Ann Friedman character. Okay. okay? 
Well, Anne says, I certainly felt that she was not wanting to listen to everything I wanted to tell her. And Sharon says, it was an opinion to say, we cannot accept it as a work by Pollock. Well, Shanerson of Vanity Fair says at that point, Jack Levy went back to Anne and Nodler and said, I want my money back. Yeah. That's the deal. Yeah. You owe me, you know. First of all, this should have been like in some kind of escrow account. You owe me two mil. It, fuck. Okay. Had to be in some, I mean, come on. So what happened? Please tell me they don't pay up. And says, I recall saying to him, Jack, if there's a problem, we'll undo it. And I would have said that to anybody. Well, Ann's lawyer says Nodler refunded 100% of his purchase price. Okay. Okay. Um, I bought, uh, minus the, this fee and minus the, that. The only thing I noticed on the bill of sale was that he didn't pay sales tax because he bought it out of state. So I would assume that every art transaction that's made is made out of state to avoid these massive, you know. Bro, bro, these art, they're, ma- they're sold in these fucking ports, bro. Well, we talked about that. We talked about the ports. Yeah. And if it's not in a port, it's in some kind of skiff. Yeah. Underground, no recording, nothing. Freeport. Fucking well, Bitcoin now. Perry, who is the lawyer uh, for the Daedalus Foundation, says you wouldn't think that Ann Friedman and Nodler would go ahead and make sure to do serious investigation at that point. Okay? He's saying, yeah. at this point, you got a problem. What are you going to do? Well, Sharon says, and in fact, that work went back on sale at the Nodler Gallery. The price went from $2 million to take a guess. $4 million. Eleven. You gotta bump the price up so you know it's not you're not fucking around. That's more when I'm like, this bitch is no good. Okay. I mean, she's going for I mean, this fair market price you're saying was in the 50s, 60s, 70s. It was two million before. But I'm saying you can't sell a real Pollock for two oh, million. I see what you're saying. You can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's too sketchy. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Damn, I can't believe I didn't think of that. I bet you in her stupid pea brain mind, in her stupid womanly mind, yeah. that she's like, fuck, I bet if it was if it was sold for eleven million, they would have thought the paint well, was real. According to her, she said I had the right to change the price because Pollock's market heated up. And yeah. you know, I should ask for more. Well, the director says, Did you sell it? And she said, No. Okay. So but Sharon, she didn't... Okay, 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 okay. At this point, Sharon says, I went right to Glafira to let her know. I have one quick question. Yes. How close is this purchase uh-huh. from the fucking whole thing blowing up? Do you know approximately? Like years-wise? Is it like five, ten years? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Something like that. Five, ten years, somewhere around there. Sharon goes to Glafira, and she says there's suspicion about the works. And I got a little more information. I found out within three weeks, miraculously, the work had new provenance. Okay? I don't get it. Well. Oh, they they found some backstory? Time to change the story. No. All right? So. What's mem- happening Remember Mr. X? Remember yep, Mr. X? Of course. Well, it turns out now he's gay. Okay. He's gay uh, in the 1950s. Makes sense. And he came to New York. Makes sense. And this is the government doing this. And he met a guy. Or, or Disney, maybe? I don't know. He met a guy named David Herbert who was gay. Turn him gay. Turn okay. Him gay. Make him well, gay. David Herbert was a real-life gay Make him black guy. gay. Black and gay. That's all we're going to tell him. Okay. So David Herbert uh, existed in this period. Wheelchair. He's also in a wheelchair. He's nope. black gay in a wheelchair. 
born 1920, died 1995. He was a real art dealer who okay. worked in the 50s. Okay. And he was employed at the Sydney Janus Gallery, who represented a lot of ABEX artists. What does ABEX start for? Abstract Expressionists. Yes. Uh, by the Betty Parsons Gallery, who at that time represented a number the of... The Betty Parsons Project? <laughs> ABEX <laughs> artists. <laughs> So he was a real dealer. We yeah. know this. And he had positions with prominent galleries. Well, Schneerson says... <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. That's a new name. I know, because I was saying Schneerson. It's Schneerson. What's with all these... Dude, there's some... A lot of similar... There's some funkiness going on with I these I just names. hate mispronouncing people's names, Sch especially Schne when I'm directly quoting them. So Schneerson says Mr. X had been drawn into the whole demi-monde of gay art lovers oh. and dealers and collectors. Break, dude. What? This, this was happening. fucking weird. A lot of... You're uncomfortable that these painters were gay? No. Now, and they now, loved each other? Now, now I'm starting to think this is like some all like alternative... Like uh, There's like some like... All it is is it's a Government bad story by a con here. artist. Who just decides like, okay, make him gay. That's like some Hollywood <laughs> shit. Well, that's what she said. Ugh. Anyway, he had a wife and he had children back in Switzerland. So he couldn't take these works back with him. It would have opened up his gay life to his family. All right. <laughs> this is such like a fucking like play on the New York. Well, this is like this is like playing to the New York heartstrings. This right is here. why, Dave, you could never be con because Sharon says it was just as concocted and it was just as refutable with research. Okay. Well, yeah. Jack says they just kept morphing the story. Alfonso Osorio is involved, then he's not involved. And it pivoted quite conveniently to David Herbert who was conveniently at the time dead, okay? So they can't go to Herbert and say, hey, did you know this gay lover of art? Was he really gay? Did he, did he bring a bunch of art to Mexico and then couldn't take it to Switzerland to expose his gay life? Can't, can't figure it out because he's dead. Well, as the pieces fell out, there are more holes in the story, and suddenly they were plugged by other information. Do you see what they did there? What do you mean? Plugged. Oh, why? I don't get plugged. What's so funny about plugged? Just let the audience wonder. I'm confused. It's okay. We're going to move on. It's okay. So my... <laughs> I, I, was, I was thinking about, like, just... I, I know. Thinking, I was just. I don't even know what I was thinking about. I was thinking about some like just painting stuff. No artist. Like how I was thinking. How am I gonna? Here's what. Here's yeah. what. Well, the whole ahead. gay created yeah. backstory. Yeah. Oh, plug. I get I it thought, now. Uh, I thought you were gonna go nuts when I said plug. I'm really angry at what's happening right now. <laughs> well, it's not fair to anybody, gay like people this. or straight people. No, it's not that. I don't like this. I don't like where they're going with this. All right. Well. Like, I, I, this is very all, I don't like this. Okay. Well, Schneerson says, but you can see how a somewhat gullible and ambitious. These people just got caught. This is happening all over the art world. Can I finish? Yeah. Can I finish? Schneerson says, but you can see how a somewhat gullible and ambitious dealer like Ann Friedman might have taken a morsel like that. You know, David Herbert did exist. There he was, and swallow. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus Nicola Fira was telling her all along with it. <laughs> I don't have to do anything. Just now, at, this point, up. at this point, I'm like, are they just fucking with us? Yeah. Are no. these guys literally fucking with they're, us? They're they're making it, they're making it, they can make a joke about this shit because all that shit was fake. The guy wasn't gay. There was no gay nothing. It was all just bullshit. <clears throat> all right. Well, Anne says, well, she came out. Like, with- was Herbert gay? Yeah. In real life? Yeah. He was actually gay. Pretty sure. Oh, so it's not actually true. They just, it, the story of Herbert is true. Yeah. Oh, okay. He was hanging out with gay art lovers. So I'm yeah. assuming maybe he was gay or maybe he was just gay friendly. And what had, was the soup know. can guy? Andy Warhol. Warhol. Hanging out with him. <laughs> what was the soup can guy? <laughs> what the fuck? All, All right. Garbage. Anyway. Anne says, well, she came out with more. It wasn't, she didn't change her story. It wasn't something that she retracted. Her story was evolving. I don't recall any time in which I thought she was not telling the truth. And it wouldn't have alarmed me if she had said one thing one day and then changed it another day. That did not happen. Well, Jack Flam says the Daedalus Foundation was founded by Robert Motherwell in 1981. Motherwell was one of the leading abstract expressionist artists and in many ways, the spokesman for the movement. Now, are you looking at some of his work? No. Okay. In early 2007, Julian Weissman, a private dealer whom I knew, told us he had a Motherwell painting that had been recently discovered. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, we learn from a title on the screen, Rosales was also selling fakes to this Julian Weissman. Oh, boy. And Flam says, in my gut... It looked kind of weird. It was warped. There was too much oil on the paint or too many drip marks, but mm. it looked just like the stuff that was in the database. So we figured, okay, it's a discovery. We're discovering new things. And it turns out that Motherwell made more paintings in 1953 than we thought. He asked us for a letter of authentication and he used the letter to sell the painting. It's my fault. It was a mistake. Live and learn. Later that year, Ann Friedman told us that he had yet another elegy, and it really looked wrong. Wrong. Uh-huh. Wrong. Okay. Ann says, I had affirmation on the Motherwell that I personally owned. Helen Frankenthaler, Motherwell's wife of 13 years, she looked at that elegy, and she pointed her finger and said, yep, that's Bob. I could not have asked for more affirmation. Well, Jack says the signature looked kind of okay if you saw it once because everybody's signature varies a bit, but this signature looked like it came from a template. Well, Perry, who's a lawyer, says something was off of these paintings. They went back to Nodler and Friedman confronting them. Well, Jack says we thought we were doing her an enormous favor. We thought she was going to say, oh my God, thank goodness you've told me about this. Because I've been dealing with these people thinking these paintings were real. And she told us that they were not only Motherwells in this collection, but there were Rothkos and Pollocks and de Koonings. Perry says the level of resistance that Nodler was pushing back on didn't make any sense. Well, again, Dave, she bought one of these paintings. It's hanging in her personal collection. It's only more for her to be like, no, it's real. It's real. She's personally yeah, invested. Of course. Well, Jack says her reaction, she started arguing. I didn't insure it. It's real. I didn't insure it. 
She brings up the David Herbert story and how David Herbert was close to Motherwell. Like, ah, oh, fuck, you already heard the Herbert story. Well. Ah, uh, they already got to you, didn't they? By the way, did some research right after yeah, that. Yeah, did you hear the original fucking story? Did you hear the fucking original story about some fucking idiot in Mexico? Huh, you've been here about that shit. Let's get back to this. Sorry. Well, by the way, did some research right after that. She said that, and we found that he didn't exist on Motherwell's radar except perhaps as some shadowy figure somewhere. This is Herbert they're talking about. Mm. And Anne was making it seem as if they were close. These paintings were real. And she said to us, experts on other mm. artists have said these paintings are real. So I was stunned. I love how all this, literally, mm -hmm. this whole documentary should be on this Chinese motherfucker. And he's mentioned literally, what, in three minutes of the whole thing, and that's it? Uh, a little bit more. That's so crazy to me. We're going to get to him in part two. Okay. Well, Anne says he forgot to mention that he initially thought the works were right. Well, keep in mind, if we back up five minutes, you'll know that Jack said, I made a mistake. These were not correct, okay? And Jack says, also, I should say that in 2006, I actually had seen one of these elegies it was on the floor in her office. And Ann says he made that up. They quickly looked at this quote unquote motherwell on the floor. And Jack says, it looked like kind of, I mean, it looked like an elegy. And Ann says, I didn't show paintings on the floor. I put them on an easel. That was my way. Well, he says, so it looked enough like a motherwell that you see it on the floor casually. You're not asked for an opinion. And she says, I've never known Jack to look at something quickly. He feels that his opinion and his judgment matters. And he would look at a work in a way of considering how good it is. And he says, I didn't even say, sure, it looked fine. I just didn't say, wow, that looks like a fake. Well, Anne says, all I ask, please let me prove these works right. I believe them. I believe in E.A. Carmine. I knew Motherwell better than Jack Flam. Nobody knew Motherwell like E.A. Carmine. Well, we see a quote from E.A. Carmine that says, in my opinion, this is by Motherwell. If not, we are dealing with a master forger. That doesn't mean, this is Anne, that I couldn't accept I might be wrong. But how do you go about figuring that out? Well, Jack says, I then said, okay, I'd like you to have those two paintings in your control forensically tested. And the best person for that period in the United States, probably in the entire world, is Jamie Martin at Orion Analytical. Now, we see Jamie Ryan at Orion Analytical. So now a new analytical <coughs> forensic paint motherfucker? Yeah, but this ah, they see this. See. We see this guy in the background, and it's like a clinical lab. It okay. wasn't like that with the other no. IFAR? No, we didn't uh, see their labs. We didn't see it there? Okay, okay. But you could tell that this guy, it's you send something to this place, he's going to be able to fucking tell you. Yeah, he's like, this was made in... He's probably going to carbon date the fucker yeah, to like this the This was made five years ago in uh, yeah. Mexican's basement. Well, Ann has a response. No. I don't trust his methods. Chinese man made. I don't trust his oriental methods. sweat on there. It was a huge question for me that Jamie Martin was one of one. He had no associates, no assistants, no lab technicians, nothing, just him. 
Okay. Well, the lawyer. Of How many the, fucking people does it take to do to test a painting, dude? The lawyer of the Daedalus Foundation, Perry, says Nodler and Anne sat on that report and didn't turn it over until January of 2009. And when she turned it over, they omitted the last four pages, which were the most important pages. They eliminated a lot of so-called confidential information. Anne says it was full of questions and errors, and it was difficult to believe they were far Fair-minded. Okay, now and now this. Okay, now, who you know. who who do you think's the I bad mean, girl right now? They, all they get. They've gotten two potentially fake paintings in their hands, and um, they know it. Well, Jack says it was clear from the report from the paintings they were fakes. Yeah, there were all sorts of anomalies. The yeah. ground was an acrylic polymer emulsion ground. Well, as you know, Dave. Mother, yeah. Motherwell didn't start using acrylic polymer emulsions until 61 and 62. Yeah. yeah, he would definitely not have been doing it in 49. There had been a painting under the paintings that had been sanded down with an electric sander, which oh is God. absolutely contrary to Motherwell's practice. That's hilarious. Anne argued E.A. Carmine said a couple of things that I thought were rather fatuous. For example, fatuous. there were pigments on the Motherwell paintings that had not been invented until much later. <laughs> Carmine said, well, maybe they were brushed up against them in the collector's home. The collector wasn't a painter. So at that point, I thought about what our options are. And I realized there was a massive fraud being carried on, and I decided to go to the FBI. Hmm. Okay, that's pretty cool. And that's where we're going to leave it today. All right. Not like the fucking FBI. They're going to come in and be like, we can help you with these. You want to sell these? We'll help you. Yeah, um, because we can flip these for Coke and uh, then turn those yeah. into guns, guns and grenades. Do you want a case of guns and grenades for this? So, Dave. Yes. Obviously, we're going to cut for today because we right. did a lot of work. <clears throat> Do you think Anne is guilty? I think she's guilty. And knowingly. Yeah, I think she knowingly. She knowingly Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like it's one of those things where maybe if you put on a lie detector, mm -hmm. she might be like, I never knew, and she passed it. Ice because, is the machine, as because, they say in the biz. Or like, or like just <laughs> so heavily invested and so much of a woman that like, she's just like, I can't. I can't even. I can't even. It's real. I don't want to fucking hear anything. Uh -huh. I see that. But she knew. She knows. So much of a woman. I like yeah, that as yeah, a trait. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so much of a warm. Thank you all for taking the time to tune in. We were so rushed and excited over this new uh, podcast of the new year that I didn't even tell us that you can reach out to us at downonthedocs at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Dave, at where? Down on the docks pod. Uh huh. Or Twitter. Down on the docks. Uh huh. And guys, the Discord. Dave.sarah on Instagram. Discord, just so you know, I have been going through a bunch of uh, oh, yeah. your um, suggestions. And I just want to add one thing. Um, we take all of your suggestions. The thing that is most difficult is taking the time to find a script. So if you want to go the extra step, if you find a documentary, do a little research on it. Say, oh, I found a script for it. And then that's going to lead to be a little bit more literally likely. Literally the next week we'll review it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Literally. If you find us a script, literally the next week we'll it's do it. It's the hardest part of what we do. We don't yeah, just take the script. We have to clean it up. And, of course, it goes through research. 
And then uh, it goes through fact checking. And then, of course, it goes <laughs> to legal. No yes. No and then it goes to legal. Actually, you do fact check some of this shit. You're and like, then it goes to legal. <laughs> yeah. If something comes out a little sketchy, if, there, if there's some pigment that wasn't mm-hmm. created until 1962. That's correct. Then, uh, yeah, you do a pretty good job of catching it. Well, it's not just me. It's research and Jess. And then, of course, um, thank you, as always, for your support. We will. Uh, oh, and we forgot to thank Broccoli Farms for supporting the show. Thanks, Broccoli Farms. So um, check them out on Instagram. And then, of course, we'll see you next week for episode 74. We're going to wrap this whole thing up, and we will give you the conclusion of Made You Look. Thanks, and have a great week.